0: Joe Rogan
1: Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience.
0: Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day.
1: Are we rolling? Are we rolling? Yeah, let's right.
0: roll. Yeah, they want to start, the save the universe, and then they want to fuck everyone's wife.
2: Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. It always begins, yeah, yeah. The, the dimensional portal will open, and then it ends with, you can't fuck your wife anymore, but guess who can?
0: Yeah, what happens is, first they start stockpiling guns. Yes. Yeah, it seems like... Cult leaders have to have guns, because their faith in their ability to see the universe and all the good and everything is not quite good enough. You need an AR.
2: You need an AR quite, to really get your quite point across. a few,
0: you need maybe some flash grenades. And-
2: <laughs> I mean, it is interesting. It doesn't feel like, it feels like I wouldn't do that. If you were running a cult? Well, I wouldn't fuck your wife and make you like worship me. I would well, just- you're a very nice guy. I'm show. one of the nicest guys in America. You're a very nice
0: guy. <laughs> I, just, I don't know anyone who doesn't like you by the way. Is that true? Yes. I've never met anybody like that guy's a dick.
2: Oh, that's really cool No one. I love Everybody that. likes
0: you. You're a nice guy.
2: I like, thank you.
0: You're a nice guy, too. Thank you.
2: Yeah I, I, I have made that a mark on my life. I want to be a good guy.
0: Yes, it's a good thing to do I try really I work at it really hard
2: Well, you see people by the way and you see that they've made a decision like I've met yeah. like I met Sting and I go, okay, Sting at some point along the line decided I'm gonna be like awesome. Yeah. That's gonna be my thing.
0: I'm gonna do yoga every day.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna come forever. He and, doesn't come. Right, he doesn't come. He always come. Yeah.
0: He's like one of these guys.
2: No, what I'm saying is he was so nice when I met him that he released.
0: Oh Wow, interesting.
2: Yeah, I have it. So sweet. (laughs) I have it at home in my office with a little jar of Stinkum.
0: When he goes, he probably really goes. I I think what is the the deal with that? That's why he says don't
2: stand so close to me (laughs) (laughs) because he blasts you away.
0: The tantric thing. They're supposed to have an internal orgasm like they're supposed to absorb it internally. Right. I've never I'm too lazy. Well, it takes Uh, time. Yeah,
2: you have to like discipline yourself and then you can come forever, I guess. It seems like you're
0: thinking about your cum too much. To that be does seem spending like spending so much time doing that. A lot of time focused on cum. I mean, there's probably a benefit in it, but every benefit that you get off of something that's a difficult endeavor is a detriment to something else.
2: What do you think the detriment? Oh, just your just mental your energy. Of your time you're yeah. thinking about your
0: jizz—it's <laughs> like, fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like you know. I mean, I guess you could say that about a lot of things, though, right? You could say that about like people who bodybuild. You could say that about. You know, maybe you're thinking too much about one thing. Well, I guess that's like kind of,
2: in a way, that's what this this book that I just wrote is is about. Is about these like little Show me your book these little you uni- wrote a
0: book, dude! Congratulations! Thank I'm you very much. I'm always very, um, uh, very impressed and also very, very like proud of people who write books because I know this is a this is a fucking task, man. It's an endeavor, but it's one that I like.
2: A lot of stand-ups really don't like it and they feel like it's homework. I like. On stage, I do a lot of crowd work. That's kind of my thing. And this is the like, creative opposite of crowd work. Mm. It's, it's not just your material. It's like, yeah. it's like mega your material. It's like you're, 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 you're a monk kind of creating a thing or whatever. Mm. Like, you should write a book.
0: I have thought about it many times, and I had a deal to write one once. But as I was writing it, they were trying to get me to write it like stand-up. And they wanted me to write it in a way that, like, was funny, like you'd be on stage. Like, how much laughs would you want per minute on stage? Which I kind of don't really think about even stand-up that much. I just try to—I cut out the bullshit. I edit things, you know, economy of words with bits. But I don't think, like, how many laughs I have per minute— They were, like, very specific about it. And then they said— how about this? Why don't you just transcribe your stand-up? And I was like, listen, I have a very different idea of what I want to write than you do, so I'm going to give you your money back. I, uh, gave yeah. him, I gave him the money back, and I said, "I'm, I'm just gonna, if I'm going to write something, I'm going to write it on my own. And I did for a little while, and then I stopped. But it was a lot of it, it was just like, I only have so much time to write, and I would rather write about ideas that I'm going to do on stage. But I do have an idea about my time. I've been working on it a little bit lately. So I'm thinking about actually going forward with this. It's about my time when I was in my really early 20s and I discovered pool halls.
2: Oh, yeah? I saw the two pool tables. I didn't know you were a big pool guy.
0: Yeah, I'm obsessed. Yeah, yeah. if I'm not, if I'm like for like my empty my brain time, I watch professional pool matches.
2: Is that right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. You a like lot those of tricks? I, I
0: watch them. With, no, no, I hate tricks.
2: That's trick bullshit. Shots. That's bullshit. Okay. Hey, you're I, that's setting what I was going to say. Well, it's cool. It's yeah. cool that
0: you can do it, but I don't care.
2: Do you like um that The Hustler? Yeah. Oh, it's a great movie. That's a good movie. That's a great
0: movie. That's a great movie just as a movie. You know, but The Color of Money is as well. Aren't but they the, connected? Yes. Yeah. Same guy, Walter Tevis, who also wrote The Queen's Gambit. Oh, about that uh, amazing chess player, she was right. uh, an orphan. That's right. Yeah, that's a great m- series. That series is really good. But that Walter Tavares guy was amazing. He wrote the Hustler is really like a psychological drama as much as it is about pool.
2: Yeah, I I, rem- I saw it a long time ago. I don't. I don't quite remember it, but I remember it, that it's great.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's. I can. I could literally say every word by heart. At this pool hall that I used to hang around at in uh, White Plains, New York, they used to play it. On the television all the time
2: in the pool hall. In the
0: pool hall, yeah. My friend Steve, who was the the uh, the guy who ran the desk, who you know ran you know administered, gave people the balls, assigned your tables and stuff. Um, He used to just put that motherfucker on like every time we were there. We'd never get enough of that. So what
2: what was your thing? You go into the pool halls when you're how old were you? Well,
0: I was like twenty when I really started playing. I think I was like twenty three or twenty four somewhere around then and uh it was just my me and my friend john who was also a comic we we went into this pool hall just for fun and you know we were just bored during the day well let's go play pool neither one of us knew how to play pool we were terrible you know like we'd played a couple of times right and then um we just stumbled into this pool hall that had this insane array of characters all these people that were Criminals and hustlers and homeless people and people who lived in flop houses and people who were fucking insane gambling addicts that would bet on raindrops coming down a window pane. <laughs> uh, yeah. They'd bet on fucking anything, man. They want—they just wanted action. And they you were always- teens walking in there. What's that? You guys were teenagers. going No, in no, there. we were about. T- I, was, I was. John's a little older than me. I think I was twenty-three or twenty-four. Uh-huh somewhere around then it's like, well, yeah, like 90. So yeah, I was probably like 23. And I just remember thinking like, this is a whole world that I didn't know existed. This weird bachelor culture. And apparently it emerged really in America in the early 1900s. In the early 1900s in New York city, there were hundreds and hundreds of pool halls, hundreds of them. And they were filled with these men that were disconnected from society. A lot of them had like returned from wars. A lot of them had gotten out of prison. And they were, it was, you know, during the depression, there was a lot of illegal activity and people did whatever the fuck they could. Right. And these men would gather in these pool halls. And they were some of the wildest people I've ever encountered in my life. I watched a guy who had just gotten out of jail play chess uh, with his just with words just saying where the pieces moved with a 16 year old kid who was a chess genius He wasn't even moving the pieces. He would no, just say there was this no was no pieces. This.
2: Oh, they were playing mind chess
0: mind chess.
2: Oh, wow I was like so th- th- some th- commander th- data y- shit
0: y- These are exceptional people that just happened to never plug into regular society What's well, like that dude in Malcolm X's autobiography
2: the guy that like he ran all the numbers in his mind And he mm. never forgot a single one and Malcolm X said like he could have been, like, a, a mathematical genius right. or a st- statistical professor or whatever, but instead he was, like, a hustler. He used that genius to be on yeah. the streets.
0: There's some people that have genius power that they apply to an art form, but they could have applied it to any—like, Jay-Z. Jay-Z right. Z doesn't write any of his lyrics.
2: Right, right. If
0: you read Jay-Z's lyrics, they don't seem ad lib They seem, like, really well-structured and written and and, like, funny and, like, sharp. And there's so many of them. Like, how— how are you remembering all this? That's why people call me the Jay-Z of comedy. You've one? heard that before. You've never heard
2: a person not say that about me. Yet, yeah. it, I haven't heard yet. It's coming yeah. down the pike. It hasn't gotten here yet. You know, there's a pool hall in LA, by the way. Really? Uh, there's
0: almost none when I left.
2: There's one in K-Town that apparently, that you go there. Oh, okay, that makes sense. You a go, lot of Koreans play pool. Yeah, you walk in yeah. and, they're, and you walk into one of them, if you're white,
0: mm-hmm. and they're
2: like, uh-uh. Mm. And you're like, what? I want to play pool. They're like, uh-uh. Next Next two doors down. They're you go, allowed no, I'll to play here. They're like, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> well, they do whatever they want, it they, they have wild? their own rules. And then you walk down, and that's where the white people are
0: playing pool, but it's the same owner. Oh, that's hilarious. But by the way, you cannot complain. No one will listen. Yeah, nobody if gives a you're a fucking white guy and you can't get into a pool hall, and they the have cops. a pool hall for white guys, like, right. shut the fuck up, dude. There's robberies going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got no time for you. <laughs> people are shooting people. Hi, <laughs>
2: LAPD, why I was whining?
0: rejected uh, access to a Korean pool hall. It, it feels very wrong. Yes, I want, I want someone to intervene immediately. This was horrible. I am a white male.
2: Like <laughs> well, maybe if you work your way up through the pool tables in the white one, then they'll, they'll, they'll adopt you into the Korean one. If you they know you
0: maybe, they're probably gambling. That's probably what a lot of it is.
2: I would have, oh right. The
0: word pool comes from pooling money together. The, really? the game is called pocket billiards. It's not called pool.
2: That's really interesting. So it was just a gambling game for the people that had returned from- No,
0: the- it was a game, right? But yeah. With, I think all games eventually evolve into gambling. Right people gamble on basketball all the time people gamble on fights all the time like fighters will gamble against their opponents People gamble they like to gamble you, It makes things more exciting because now there's money on the line as well as pride and everything else
2: Are you allowed to bet on fights? I am NOT you are not allowed I am to. not allowed to
0: now When did that happen? It's a recent rule that came about because apparently there's an allegation that one of the UFC trainers I want to be real clear about this because I actually like this guy a lot, and I think he's a super talented trainer And I do not know if this is true, so I, w- I won't even say his name But one of these trainers was apparently aware of injuries and then informing uh-huh. a, Like a group of people online who are betting So they're saying like hey this guy's got something wrong with him. Right. He's not gonna win this fight, and then all the money would go on the opponent, and then they would rake it in and this happened allegedly Uh, on fighters that he was training or people that he knew. It's like insider stock trading. It's similar. Yeah. It's fishy also because it gives the possibility that fights are dives. You know, when a a coach is betting against their fighter like, or giving other people information against their fighter, if that happened, I don't know if it happened again. I just want to be real clear. It's allegedly. Um, If that's the case, that's it's kind of like you're. It's it's next door neighbor to a dive, and that is the last fucking thing we want in mixed martial arts is fixed fights,
2: right? Right. Which is
0: weird because it's owned by the same people that own WWE now. Right. Which is kind of crazy. They've had a good week. It's a great
2: week. Yeah, it's a good week to be in the WWE. Yo,
0: dude, that <laughs> Vince McMahon is
2: wild.
0: <laughs> I, that boy's out there. I it, I read this. I couldn't get through the text messages.
2: <laughs> I started trying to read them, and I was like, I don't want to read. This is like poison.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, when I see that dude with his shirt off, he's 80 years old. He's got a chain <sighs> around his neck. What are you shocking me with this information? Don't you think it takes a lot to get that guy going? No,
2: it's (laughs) you're saying he needed to send all those text messages to get aroused at that. I
0: think he probably (laughs) needs a lot just for stimulation. Listen, he's a billionaire. Right, he's been running pro wrestling for fucking decades. He's world famous, CEO of this giant fucking multinational company, pro wrestling company. He's also in pro wrestling. Right. He gets out there and competes. He does it. Yeah, I guess. Or, cer- you know, performs, I should say.
2: At a certain point, I guess, if you're that through the looking glass of reality, like you become a heel in, in life. Life is heel and, and, the, and everything is a match.
0: Yeah, if you're going to be really successful at putting together pro wrestling, probably be pro wrestling all day long.
2: You got to stick with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, stay in it all fucking day long. Don't go read Nietzsche at the end of the day. <laughs> Don't be reading <laughs> Carl Jung's thoughts on flying saucers. Get the fuck out of here. Drink beer and go fuck. Yeah. That's what you should be doing. You're on the road. I want you to Rick flare it until the fucking wheels come off. They do come off, too. Well, yeah, on almost all of them. Yeah. The only one who hasn't is The Rock. Right. The Rock is in remarkably great condition. Obviously huge and massive and muscles and everything. But mobile he can do things like we worked out together that's interesting i wonder because he's he also seems like
2: kind of the most he's one of those dudes who's got like what you're talking about genius level he could have been anything sure he's kind of got one of those mega iq's feeling like
0: well he's got a mega discipline is what he has right and if he applied that to intellectual endeavors he would be a mega genius it's like i think they're we want to think that they're not connected But I think they are. And I think, like, a Michael Jordan or someone who gets that good at basketball could get that good at anything. It's just they don't apply themselves in that area because that's—I think it's just exceptional people.
2: Well, you know there's that weird idea—apparently and this is proven—that the difference between a world championship runner and the number five is, like, less than a second. Their speed, Mm. right? I mean, the the difference between the Olympian and and the guy that doesn't make the podium is— so it, it's just infinitesimally small, mm. and then the the reason that the person wins is because they believe. They, it it's not even a physiological thing; it's like a confidence thing. And Unless you see
0: that in, you're running against Usain Bolt, right? They we'll take him out. we we'll him out. What you believe, because <laughs> then there's genetics. Genetics are real too.
2: Well, genetics is probably, I would guess, is what gets you to the to the stage in the first place. It gets you on the track. It exists right?
0: intellectually too. There's there's Boundaries. I have limitations. I have like certain limitations intellectually at right. a certain level. I just check out sure I'm not gonna be but I am friends with some Insanely brilliant people that scare the shit out of you. But like if I talk to Eric Weinstein I'm like, what are we even the same thing right? Like What are right. we? We're not the we're, we're barely the same thing You I'm, know
2: when you really see that kind of genius is when they start talking to you in a way You'll understand you go. Oh, so you wrote that book that I can't even comprehend, but you're also conversationally able yeah. to Eric help me. Eric he he doesn't, doesn't even try. He doesn't try. He leaves yeah, you He does sometimes. I try to tell him
0: like, you got to help us out here. But uh, but it's just because that's how he thinks and that's how he communicates. It's like if you, like if you're going to talk about comedy to someone who doesn't do comedy, you'd probably just start talking like a comic. Right. Like, this is what we do. This right. is how I do it. I'm not going to like. I can't hold your hand too long. You're 40 years old. But yeah, let me yeah, yeah. Just explain how I do it. Yeah. Either get it or you don't get it. But
2: I um. Well, I was uh, on that pool thing though, yeah. the, the, that universe, when you walked into that pool hall and saw like, bam, this is another universe Yeah. to me, like that is, that's the experience of my life over and over again. Uh, that is what the book is about is these, like these momentary portals into another universe, you know, mm. where somebody taps you on the shoulder and goes like, walk over here. It's like uh, Luke yeah. Skywalker, right? right like right, right. he's this weak, powerless kid on Dantooine or whatever. And, uh. And then all of a sudden, Obi-Wan Kenobi goes, look, there's a whole other universe here.
0: Will you show everybody your shoes? Because I think those are Luke Skywalker shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. This is bullying, I, joke. Remember, I love them. I couldn't remember the name of the planet, though when you said Dantooine, oh, this like, oh, you think these it. are Dantooine
2: shoes yeah, yeah, yeah for sure these are
0: cool Joe came in and almost liked them I felt pretty good about I, that they're unusual I love that you wear them they look great with white <laughs> slacks or tan slacks are those this white is, or tan this is so close to a compliment it's, it's a compliment you, you have a style you have a certain style
2: um, they're the most comfortable chain shoes chain out too look at you Rock chain out, out. yeah chain always out. chain out all day fuck. if I'm coming to if I'm coming to Joe Rogan, chain I'm out. taking the chain out. Let's you go. know, go. Let's freaking let's go. Let's fucking go. I say let's freaking go for yeah. the kids.
0: Yeah, let's freaking go. Let's freaking go, what's guys. What's less offensive, freaking or freaking? Like if you're around a, an old lady.
2: I think freaking is more fun for an older lady.
0: Right, it's not offensive at all. Because she's
2: an old freak herself. Maybe she might just be an old freak. She herself. She might be
0: an old prude that hung
2: in there. I've never understood the concept of uh, uh, censoring yourself for an older person. They've, they've respect. Heard, they've heard the thing.
0: Right, but the idea is they that shot every, Nazis. That is true but that every generation gets more and more desensitized to bad words.
2: Oh, yeah, that's fair. Which I, is 100% true. I, yeah, I could see that for like sure. Like, my
0: kids say things that I would have never said in front of my parents.
2: Oh, in front of you? Yeah. But you're also, you're you. So that you've created also, a persona where swearing is, it'd be funny for you to be uptight about swearing. It is funny. And I all, bet you did, though, when you had little
0: kids, right? No, I never was. My no. wife was a little bit, but not bad. And I was like, listen, we have to just tell them that you can't say these words in front of other people. But they're just words. Right. Well, the only thing, words are a sound you make, so I know what you're thinking. Right. That's all it is. And to make words good or bad is fucking stupid. But there's a lot of things you're going to learn that are stupid in the world. But here's the rules. But in the, around the house, they'll use them for funny. And it's hilarious. It's like you're raising comics, because we all talk like comics. They'll Dude. talk shit, you know, and it's fun. Totally. It's, I had a conversation with my daughter the other day. I, go, I
2: sat her down. I go, okay, honey, you're funny. And with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> I go, you're going to have to figure out how to how to like where the line is. Because yes. people who are funny, take it from me, yes. walk through the world offending people because they think they're being funny and they've gone like a step too far in personal interactions. I yes. go, That's your job now.
0: And it's also like when you're doing that, like people have to understand, like why, could, why would you have said that? Like I didn't know I was going to say it while I was saying it. Completely. Like there is a thing that you're doing when you're creating, specifically when you're ad-libbing. Where you if you're on stage you're ad-libbing you are literally like you've got these Missiles that are coming into silos and you are like yep. launch it. Yep. launch it launch it like you're not even looking at the missile It's like your mind says maybe you can connect that to this go and sometimes it's just like, it's sometimes,
2: a dud. Oh, and sometimes you're up on stage and you go, oh, I've, oh, that was the end. Yeah. I wish that, that missile, <laughs> that, that missile destroyed. I shot the, myself. The, <laughs> <laughs> destroyed yeah. the village and everybody in it. I've definitely had that experience. But yeah, there was that moment on my, on my, I did, uh, my crowdwork album, crowd surfing, where I heard myself when I was listening back to it, I was riffing one riff and in that riff switched back and did the better riff. Like that's a pretty, speaking of like the way the brain works. Like yeah. that, it's like a honed. that's a honed brain that comics have.
0: Well you've got that you've done that exercise over and over and over and over again. So you get like super comfortable in that pocket. Of of crowd work, like Big J Okerson is amazing at that.
2: One of the best. Yeah,
0: he's one of the best ever at that. He's just so Andrew Schultz is as well. They're just so comfortable. There's a fucking hilarious one that Schultz just put out. Of uh, he's talking to some guy in in the audience who brought a date, and the date turns out to be a trans woman, and it's just is hilarious. But fun, lighthearted, positive—it's really cool. It's very skillfully done, right? You know, it's the and and the whole audience loved it. It was like they loved it. It was it was great.
2: Well, that's how I think of crowd work when it goes really well. Everybody's having a good time. Yes, it's like a gift. It's like a gift to the crowd because they know in their mind. I will, this moment will not be, this was for me. Right. This was a gift this comic gave me tonight, and it will never exist again, except in TikTok form. Uh, Hopefully, it'll go viral a million (laughs) times.
0: Forever.
2: I always think about that when everybody's blowing up on these crowdwork clips, is like how many magical moments, but there's something beautiful about this too. Mm -hmm. How many magical moments... You you offered on stage in the pre-digital kind of uh, upload everything era where you're just like it was just momentary It was just an offering to that moment. Yeah, there's something really beautiful about that.
0: I love that I think that's like it's important. I think the artificial reality of digital life There's certain people that want to fucking film everything they want to film every conversation they have look I'm here with this. Let's let's put this on the gram. Will you tag me in this like stop. It's it's a wild You gotta live.
2: I saw a guy the other day His thing is he goes to fine dining restaurants and screams at the top of his lungs. That's his
0: that's his career Oh my god. Did you see the guy that got arrested that was just dumping shit on people? (laughs) Now that I respect, he dumped a whole bucket of shit on some guy that was like on the train, just shit on down his back. Yeah,
2: and then what he said? It's a prank. It's
0: like, yeah, no, we're past he's a that. kid, and in, in you know, I mean, I think we crazy. were talking about it. I, I said I think it might be bioterrorism because there's something, like shit. Human shit is like really dangerous. That is definitely biohazard for yeah. sure. Like humans are gross. Like our our fucking gut bacteria. If that gets in a cut. If human shit gets in a cut. You better wash the fuck out of that. Talk thing. about
2: going viral. What? We're going viral. This joke is oh, landing actually, exactly where in. I wanted it to. Viruses. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Literally. Please don't write in. That's where plague comes from. From. I mean, uh, that's the early days. It was a lot of it was like terrible hygiene and terrible sanitation and no running water. So people were just shitting in the streets. They were shitting in buckets and throwing out the streets. There's human feces everywhere.
2: Do you know why people think? Perhaps the Jews didn't suffer as much in plague, um, other than uh, conspiracy theories that they started it during the Black ah. Plague.
0: There was a conspiracy theories way back then that they did it?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure, yes. I, I don't know where that rumor nope. would have come from. So how
0: did they survive it?
2: So Jews, when they eat a meal, every single meal uh, with bread, always wash their hands. It's a part of the ritual. It's a ritualistic oh. thing. You wash your hands before you eat bread. And and uh, people didn't really do that because germ theory wasn't – people didn't know about germ theory. They didn't understand right. the correlation between washing your hands and eating. And so Jews would always wash their hands before every meal. And that is how uh, apparently they they sidestepped some of the, the ravages of the plague.
0: Do you think that that a lot of the religious rules like washing your hands, it has to be based – on some ancient understanding of where diseases come from. Like, think about no pork, right? Right. The trichnosis, yeah, yeah, it's ubiquitous in porks, right? In, in porks, <laughs> in, <them laughs> in pigs, and pigs, and bears, in uh, mountain lions, they all have it. Like it's like a giant percentage of bears have it, a giant percentage of pigs have, it, especially wild pigs. So that would prevent you from ever getting that. Let's just say, one no, any the simple, way don't cook it to one hundred forty-seven degrees. Right. I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know when the right way to cook it. It kills people. Right. Let's stop eating that. And then shellfish, same deal, red tide. All sorts of other bacteria that you. What would about
2: get. mixing um, linens and wools or whatever?
0: That's a weird one. But like the the shellfish one, people die of oysters. I just read about someone dying from a raw oyster. It's super rare. I still eat them. Yeah. Um, which is a really stupid thing to do. You know, like, They'll why am I you? eating oysters? If they can fucking, every one out of a million people gets whacked by an oyster. <laughs> I didn't, I did not know that. Yeah, somebody died just recently. My kid and now eats I'm, like, live. I'm rethinking my oyster consumption. Like, my kid eats
2: doing? live sea urchin. Whoa. She's oh. a more adventurous eater Ooh. than yeah. I am. Yeah, I yeah. love it. So I love straight that. out of the straight out of the carcass. Damn. Yeah. That is Yeah. It's moving a little bit.
0: That's my favorite sushi. Man dies after contracting vibro bacteria from fresh oysters in Texas restaurant. <gasps> it's right here. Oh shit. shit. You're going to No, you're good. The consumption of raw oysters at a Texas restaurant led to an untimely death of a relatively healthy relative. Is a weird word for a dude in his 30s. <laughs> You know, like <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> relatively healthy. What are you trying to say? It's a lot of editorial from the USA yeah. Today. was relatively healthy. I the wouldn't man, say. Hold on, Jamie. The man contracted a bacterial infection known as vulnificus. Vol, He's
2: my favorite techno DJ.
0: <sighs> it sounds like a good one, like from like Germany or somewhere. That thrives in warm coastal waters. So it's like local bacteria?
2: I think you're good, though, Joe. If he died I'm and you said it's one every 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 million. millionth oyster, he ate the oyster.
0: It's probably more than one every million. Oh, look, it, the oh. guy lost his toes. Yo. Oh, this is not
2: good. I Yo. do not want fibro vulcanifacinus. Is it a
0: flesh-eating bacteria? It's what? Those are weird. You hear about those in the news every now and again. Fresh, flesh-eating. Ah, it is a fucking flesh-eating bacteria. God damn it. I heard a, hear about those.
2: I don't want one. No. That's my official stance on this. I heard about a a kid that ate a slug as a dare. You you read that story?
0: paralyzed in Australia.
2: Super brutal.
0: Oh, horrible. And
2: then you start... I warned my kid. I go, don't eat slugs. But it's like, she's going to do some other terrible thing that I can't think of.
0: Right. You never can protect them fully, nor should you. That's the unfortunate thing. It's like you've got to... They have to experience a certain amount of, like, falling down. Right. It's part of the process.
2: I just... But I did tell her, don't eat slugs. Don't eat slugs. The other day, we were on the beach, though, and my neighbor had a lobster trap out and uh and he took out his lobster trap and he was undoing it and there was this uh undulating piece of seaweed I go I think there's something alive in there and we shook it off and it was a full giant octopus ooh it was the coolest and my kid wow. reached in and grabbed the octopus like just like it was her friend. She was Whoa. like, baby
0: octopus, my friend. They will bite the fuck out of you.
2: That's what we found out. Every oh, octopus no. is venomous. Oh, well, she didn't get bit. Every octopus is venomous, and not most of them can't kill you. But every one of them has a beak that will fuck you up.
0: Yeah, they're all beak.
2: But he was very cool Do about it. Do you
0: know it. how they kill them when they catch them? No. They bite their heads.
2: Who? Who they? The
0: fishermen. They
2: physically bite Fishermen
0: them? physically bite their head, like right where the brainstem is, and then they change color. And that's how Whoa. you know they're dead. Yeah. They,
2: they become pink?
0: They become white. Whoa. Yeah, they just... When you see an octopus in the wild, have you ever seen how well they can camouflage themselves? Yeah, totally. Fucking insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Texture, everything. They can look exactly like whatever the fuck they're near, whether it's coral or gr- rubble on the ground. They they literally blend in. It's it's insane. It's amazing. But when you bite them, all that shit goes away.
2: Do you, you like meat. Yes. Do you have any... Comp- like weird feelings about like an an animal at a certain level of intelligence. Yes. Like octopus to me. I don't want to eat a monkey. Right. Well, a monkey's, yeah, yeah, that's very intense. Yeah.
0: See, watch. Oh, shit. He's going to bite the octopus. So this guy caught this octopus and he's going to bite it. See where he bites it? And then the thing immediately goes. He bites it like right where the eyeballs are. And then it immediately dies.
2: This is the system by which you get octopus at a restaurant? Is just some guy biting the so. brainstem of an octopus? I
0: do not know, but I think this is just individuals that are sport fishing. They're doing it for food. They're just getting that octopus. Octopus are delicious. They're smart, they're though, aren't they? they're too smart for yeah. me. Yeah. It bothers me. I feel me. like you're eating an alien. I feel like I might stop eating octopus. Um, there's animals that are really... Fu- pigs are really fucking smart.
2: Right, pigs are smart. They're that's really what, smart. Right, that's where it starts to get weird. Because it gets it, weird. Sort of crows crows will bring you gifts, gifts. and they'll warn you that the cops are smart. coming
0: there's this guy he found this crow it was in the water might have been a guy might have been a woman i'm not sure but anyway there was a some TikTok video about it and this person found this crow picked it up with a paddle it was in the water like drowning mm-hmm. put it in the boat and then took it home and nursed it back to health and then the the crow would just hang out with her
2: and yeah they're like, like they loyal.
0: Were petting the crow with a brush. And she put the brush back on the shelf. Then the crow flew over the shelf, grabbed the brush, brought it back. And said, no, no, keep petting me. There's a... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Really, it's really cool. There's like a whole mechanism on how to get the crow to like you, too. Really? You start doing a certain, I think it's leaving it gifts. Mm-hmm. And then it will go, oh, this person gives gifts. Then it will start bringing you gifts. And then if you keep going, it will start attacking your enemies. Yes. Your neighbors will come over and be like, what's up, Joe? And then the crow will come down
0: and attack. Yeah, this guy, uh, Dan Flores, who was on the podcast before, had essentially trained a crow by leaving it food every day and he would go on a walk with his dog and the crow would hang out with them
2: would it fly it would fly next to him or... oh yeah fly oh, right cool. right
0: next to him and hang out with them plop down and it would you know go looking for him i like, f- liked them.
2: i had a friend who was a falconer do you know about these guys yeah. i'm sure you do do you know how they catch them it's crazy no well basically they catch them they catch them in the wild uh they like leave some some food out and they catch them with a trap in the wild but then they take them home this blew my mind They take them home and they put them in a dark room for like multiple days and they walk into the dark room with one of those weird gauntlets or whatever that are made by the same people that make my boots and they have just meat on their hand and they just sit there for hours in a dark room with a, with a, an owl or a hawk or whatever. And over the course of a week, the, 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 bird will get closer and closer and then start nibbling and then start eating and at that point it's yours and now it's now it's your falcon
0: whoa
2: isn't that crazy
0: so it just rewires their brain
2: yeah to be like this guy's got the food so when so now when he lets me go to hunt for the rat or whatever i'll come back to the gauntlet
1: look at this crazy trap they use to get him
2: huh and every falcon that a falconer has is caught captured in the wild really they're not like bread they or whatever. Bread. They, they just wow. capture them and then they do this weird thing where they train them and then they let them go after a few years of service.
0: When I was in Scotland there was this lady who was uh, she trained a variety of birds but she trained owls and falcons and uh, so she had a falcon there and she said the problem with the falcon is when they let it go it just fucks things up. It just fly, It just finds another bird and kills it. Like she, like every time she lets it go, finds something and kills it.
2: It's just like an, it, it, It's violent.
0: Oh, it's the worst. It's a monster. Right. It's just a killing machine. It doesn't matter if it's hungry or not. It's, it's just flying around looking to fuck things up. She said the owl is the second dumbest bird, in the wild. Really. Yeah. Isn't that That's, crazy? How did they get the wise thing? They someone is got a good PR agent and they just <laughs> they got ahead of it. Owl baby, it's me. Owls are dumb. She said owls are dumb. She said uh, the really smart ones are like like falcons are very smart. Crows are the smartest. But um, the only thing dumber than an owl is emus. Emus are dumber.
2: They're so big you'd think that they would have big brains.
0: And they don't have to be. Right. They're just, shut the fuck up, give me the food. Right, They're right. They're so big. They, they, they are freaks. I
2: would say freaks of nature. They shouldn't yeah. exist, the emu. Have you eaten emu?
0: No. Have you? No, but I think people People do. eat it? They eat ostrich. I've had ostrich at Fuddruckers. At Fuddruckers? They have ostrich? Fuddruckers used to serve an ostrich burger. It was really good. It was good. It was fantastic. What's the best game? I think elk. I think elk is the most delicious. That's my favorite. Yes. But there's a lot of really good ones. Um, Axis deer, which are very prevalent here in Texas. They're from India. They're really delicious. Yeah, but bison. Bison's very delicious. But um, they're very lean. Like if you're going to eat just those things, you got to make sure you get a, a, an adequate amount of fats along with them. You eat moose? I eat moose. What's yeah. up with moose? Moose is delicious. Yeah, moose is delicious. Seems greasy. No, not at all. No, not even a little. What's the worst thing? No, they're game? very lean. Um, You get a, a funky pig. <laughs> you get a wild I've pig. I've met one of those That's in fun- my life. I shot a wild pig that was kind of funky. A Javelina, that one was odd. I ate a javelina.
2: You feel, when you kill an animal, do you feel bad?
0: I don't feel good. I uh-huh. feel good that it's successful. But you don't feel good when you look down at the dead animal. It's but like a guilty, think, guilty thrill kind well, of? Well, you're thankful. Right, right. You're thankful that... I mean, this is. it's a very It's a very different connection with food when you've been there and harvest it. And when you actually go in the wild. So it's one thing if you have a farm and you raise a cow and you kill the cow and you eat the cow, you have a connection with that food that's very different than me who just goes to a supermarket and buys a right. steak. It's another level of that when you're going into the woods with a bow and arrow and you're climbing mountains and you're going eight, 10 miles a day. And you, It's you know,
2: like you swoop into their universe. It's 100%. like you walk through the portal into their universe and yes. just blip it, them out of it. And I'm
0: not the only one there and that's when it gets scary. You mean there's I mean other predators. Lions. right? right you you meet bears out there there's there's real shit out there right that is capable of killing a deer with its face right
2: and a a hunter from behind (laughs) yes and a hunter
0: from behind and a stealthy hunter that you're not going to hear until it's too late have you ever felt that i've seen them um i've never been stalked by one the biggest one i ever saw was actually inside of a car i saw inside like two years ago I was with my friend Colton, and uh, he goes, look at the cat. He stops the truck, and it's at dusk, like right when the sunlight's going down. And I see these glowing eyes under a tree. And we're about 30 yards away from it, and I have binoculars. So I put up my binoculars to look at it up close. It was fucking terrifying. Mountain lion. Huge one. Yeah. A huge male. Like 170-plus pounds. They're, just massive muscles. The muscles were so impressive. Like its forearms were huge.
2: They're so scary because they don't attack you until you're not looking too. So Ugh. you'll never know. They'll just be on top of you. Yeah. You think you could fight one off? No. I'd be done for you no. would. You no. got muscles. You could like
0: nope. Nope. You scream and yell. Dude, and- I could barely fight off a eaten. house cat. <laughs> a regular house cat will probably fuck me up if it's motivated.
2: Dude, I got a I got a German Shepherd.
0: Those are great dogs. Well, they need a lot of work, though.
2: Listen, I, I was like, I don't know if you've noticed the last few years things have gotten a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm on the road a lot. I know what I'll do. I'll get a German Shepherd, and it'll protect my family. Mm-hmm. But then I entered into a negotiation with Natasha because she didn't want like a, a hardcore one. So what we ended up getting... Was this giant fucking bitch? I mean, it's just <laughs> such a little like clown. It's like the Doordash people come and they wearing a ski mask. It'll be like, "Well, Ashante, right this way. Come on in." Like, it, oh no. So I have the I have all of the work of right. a German Shepherd with none of the none of the. Is advantage. it a male or a female? It's a male.
0: Is it fixed? Yes. There you go. That's my problem. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. Damn! I should have have kept those balls. I didn't do it, especially when they're young. If you get them real young and they're fixed, I had a dog that was fixed when he was a baby. Somehow or another, like we got him, I got him from someone else. And when I got him, was like he's already fixed. He's so young, it was too young, and it he fucked. He was kind of fucked. It fucked his development up. He had no testosterone as he was growing. Which is just not good for a male dog. There's a lot of arguments that it's, look, it's irresponsible to let your dog have a bunch of puppies. And then, you know, so if you're letting your dog out and your dog is fucking other dogs and getting them pregnant, getting, yeah, that's irresponsible. But my dog's not fixed and he doesn't go out. If he interacts with dogs, it's my friend's dogs. You know, we play in the yard. I take him for walks. He doesn't get loose to go fuck a dog. It's not irresponsible.
2: Does he ever get to fuck?
0: He's never fucked.
2: Oh, no. that's cruel in a different way. I'm
0: afraid he would find out about it, and then he would never <laughs> sh- shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, Dad, where's the girl? Where's this the is- bitches, literally? Where I don't know bitches? if
2: you know, this has been great. Yeah. Do you know about this sex this stuff? This is
0: my favorite thing, and I do not even know about it until now, and I'm seven.
2: That's funny. That's a different kind of meanness, though. You let it keep the balls, but mm. you keep it from ever having sex.
0: Well, Does the- he- they can't not come, and if they're having sex, the girl can get pregnant.
2: Right. It's right.
0: not like humans where it's funsies. Right. You know, you, you, there's no funsies in the animal world. Yeah. That's why deer only have sex once a year. We need to. Is that true? Yeah. Well, they have multiple times in this one time period in a year, but it's called the rut. We should make a dog condom. It's not going to work. <laughs> no, we <laughs> should put it on if you love your dog and you want it to get laid. <laughs> well, slip you it give on. your dog birth control, I guess. Really? But, yeah, but that would probably fuck the female dog up. It fucks women up. Right. Birth control is terrible for women. They've been telling women to take birth control forever. Birth control does all sorts of wacky things to the way you perceive people. It's I have a friend and his daughter died. She had a stroke because she had a blood clot that is apparently one of the side effects of smoking cigarettes and taking birth control. It's possible to have that happen. And she died that way. She was like 17 years old. It's like it's a tricky medication. I mean, it's right. it's great that women got their liberation sexually and that you, every time you had sex it wasn't like you're going to have a baby that you could choose right. when to do it when not to do it, but
2: cuz that a your perception up too having a kid at 16. 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the, listen, there's there's arguments for both sides of it and they put some girls on birth control for their acne to control acne.
2: I've heard about that.
0: Yeah. So it's like it's not saying that birth control is entirely bad. But if you're a woman and, and you have to take this thing in order to not get pregnant, and the guy doesn't have to do shit. You know, like the guy, like if a guy had to take, if a birth control pill was invented for a guy, and I think they did come up with one, but it radically lowers your testosterone.
2: Oh, it'll be like my dog. Yeah. It'll just be like a really sweet little bitch. Welcoming yeah, probably kills prowler.
0: your sperm cells. It's probably the only way it would work. Yeah. So the way to kill your sperm cells would be either to Ramp up your endogenous testosterone to where your body doesn't produce testosterone anymore, so you don't produce sperm cells, or you could kill it, kill the sperm cells, kill kill the testosterone. And kill everything. (laughs) They turn you into just a feeble version of yourself.
2: Well, that's why tired all the time. That's what I came on this podcast to talk about is mandated vasectomies for teenagers, (sighs) the teenage boys. And I think this will go over really well.
0: Yeah, as long as you can reverse it.
2: Isn't are we the ones that can be reversed, or
0: yeah, we could be reversed. We're good. Women's not not good. Obviously, women get their unices removed. Right. Uh, With a a dude, they can reverse it, but it's not one hundred percent.
2: Right. Right, you know,
0: you might have to do it a couple of times to make it stick.
2: People are getting into that now. Mm-hmm. Vasectomies are are having a moment right now.
0: Ari got one of them.
2: Is that right? Yep. Look, okay. I mean, good for him. I get that. If you're yeah. going to be single and and you don't want kids, like why? Why not? I think not? Stanhope did it too. Yeah. That's like a psychic um, permanent condom, mm-hmm. and yeah, with, and with no condoms.
0: Yeah, and then you don't. If you're, you know, you have a wife, she doesn't wor- worry about birth control anymore.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would not. Uh, that, that would terrify me. Yeah, it's a t-
0: tricky operation. It's a dick operation, and time you're operating on your nether regions. And you're like, what? You, what?
2: I mean, It does sound like a and terrifying put proposition. Under,
0: put you under and operate on your balls,
2: and then you wake up and they've they've castrated you and you go. They Things up, went a little bit wrong.
0: Yeah, I went sideways. <laughs> Unfortunately, you don't yeah. have balls. The, the, uh, the. Doctor went had a psychotic break and just started chopping.
2: Well, you know about that story of the guy uh, who amputated the wrong limb Because <gasps> apparently yeah. they write in sharpie on your oh, limb like this God one damn it. this one off and oh, then he Jesus did the wrong Christ. one Christ, it's funny. You know, you remember that. It's like it's just a person up there
0: I know um, a guy whose wife had the wrong kidney removed.
2: Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's de- That's a death sentence.
0: Yeah, I don't, it's just like, what the fuck did you just do? And the doctor did not want to admit fault. It's so, the whole story's so crazy. Was the the kidney that the was remained? doctor didn't apologize. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, kidney that remained was fucked.
2: It was a bad kidney. Yeah, that was of the course. one they were
0: supposed to take out. They took out the good one.
2: <sighs> would you ever donate a kidney? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would, to save someone's life, Yeah. I know people that have done it. Yeah, it sounds really intense. I would be Apparently you can survive on one kidney. Though this the liver is the craziest one. We were just talking about that the other day. If you donate half your liver to me, if you you and I have the same blood type, within six to eight weeks your liver will have returned to full size and my liver that you donated that you gave me will be full size as well.
2: It feels like they should they could cure liver cancer by just doing elective half a liver in a lab growth. Mm. And then we just
0: Well, they're going to eventually be able to do that, I would imagine. They're they're already looking into some sort of reconstruction of organs, like to be able to create a completely new heart that's made of your own tissue so that your body doesn't reject it, you know, because your body rejects other people's tissue. So if you uh, gave me a heart, I would have to take crazy medication to make sure that my body didn't reject that heart.
2: Have you heard that? Uh, there's that documentary about that guy that was putting artificial tracheas in people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, this is good or bad. It's horrifying. It was this like genius doctor that was putting in these plastic. He had this, uh, this like breakthrough that you could just replace a trachea with a plastic tracheal tube and bathe it in stem cells. And it would eventually like, I don't know what, like meld into your body's DNA tissue and just mm. become a part of your body. But he was making it up. It did not ever. It did not work one time.
0: Oh no! But he
2: was just like flying around the world, this like medical like master. They're going, this genius, the genius of our time, winning like Nobel prizes and stuff, and just people were dying left and right because they were just putting a fucking tube into people's throat instead of a trachea. Oh
0: my god! Oh my god! How many did he do before they got him?
2: It it was like a half a dozen or something like that. Yeah, it was really not. So he's
0: just an insane person.
2: In this weird way, I mean, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. He was a genius, but he was like a mad, he'd become a mad genius. where He, he just was, blew a fuse. He blew a fuse, yeah. And he thought, I have an idea. There's no way my idea won't work if oh I just my God. if I just do it enough times. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Macarena. And simultaneously, he was uh, hustling a woman, um... Like he was pretending to be married to to uh, a journalist in America, and then he was already married in Italy. So he was like kind of had two different madman thing going on at once.
0: <laughs> He's a wild dude. Yeah. Swedish appealed Court uh, convicted Macarini on Wednesday and sentenced him to two and a half years in prison. That's it?
2: That's pretty crazy. Yeah, Sweden. Once there's a wall up where you're a medical professional, I guess there is a little bit of an arm's length. I mean, these people did know they were doing an experimental um Surgery and that they
0: could die, I guess. But they didn't know that it definitely wouldn't work. But they obviously decided that he did something wrong. They put him in jail for two and a half years. Yeah, this guy was a
2: wild one. Jesus Christ. Compulsive liar, spinning wild stories and manipulating a woman who became his fiance.
0: The appeal court ruled that two of the three patients who died did not require emergency intervention. Oh, my God. That
2: was the part I forgot. It, oh kept, my God. it kept failing. This is the most fucked up part, Joe. It kept failing on sick people that needed new tracheas. So he was like, what I need to do is find a relatively healthy person that has a tracheal issue, like a collapsed trachea or something where they're still like walking through the world it, with relative health, like the oyster guy, and I'll put it in them and that will prove that the thing works.
0: Oh, my God. What a psycho. There is that is. him? Yeah, yeah that's him. Like a psycho. It looks like like George Clooney if he got really fat and did really <laughs> a lot of opium. <laughs> what a psycho.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. To do
0: it on relatively healthy people just to prove that it works.
2: And it completely did not. Oh. So he went he literally went on a, a worldwide quest to find somebody with like a fucked up trachea, but that would w- didn't wasn't sick and found someone like that and she it was like cosmetic for her. <sighs> and she's like, I'm tired of talking like this and I have to have like a scarf on and okay, I'll do it.
0: She didn't like the way her trachea looked.
2: No, I think she like talked weird, and she had issues for sure. Okay, but she w- but
0: it was not life or death. Oh my god! Anyway, there's some psychos out there, man. Some of them happen to be doctors. Yeah, just because someone went to medical school doesn't mean they're not crazy.
2: No, I oh I I listened to that Doctor Death podcast. Do you ever hear that? No. It's about a guy who was like he was a neurosurgeon, and he was just like. It, it wasn't clear if he was like Dr. Mengele, like wanted to kill people or if he was just like a stupid person that was just like sl- slashing in people's bodies. Like it wasn't clear what he was doing, but it looked like when he would open someone up, he had no idea what he was doing. I mean, he just was like stapling a artery to a bone. He just like a, and just I, for fun. Who, nobody really knows. But he was this, a real surgeon. He was a real neurosurgeon. And until I heard that podcast, it would have never occurred to me to go to a surgeon and then l- look him up. I, I'm sure you right. are savvy enough to do that, but I would have just been like, you're a doctor. I, right. You must know things. Okay, open up my brainstem and get in there.
0: Yeah, the first time I got surgery, I'd, I, have, I had no idea anything about the doctor's credentials, and I don't know anything about him now. Yeah. I don't, don't even remember his name. He put me under and opened me up and drilled holes in my bones. and.
2: Yeah, now I, I heard that, I would I would always Google. I would... <sighs> I would go deeper. Yeah, man,
0: you you can't be fucking entirely sure that someone's not out of their mind.
2: Well, there's certain there's certain. Um professions like that where you assume their degree is the thing that makes them competent but you forget that it's just a person. They're... Here's
0: here's the guy it says of the 37 patients dunched how do you say it dunched oh dunched yeah david dunch dunched operated on a Dallas over about 2 years 33 were hurt or harmed in the process 33, 33 out of 37 that is a bad 4 record. people skated clean some people woke up paralyzed Others emerged from anesthesia to permanent pain and nerve damage. From nerve damage, two patients died one from significant blood loss after the operation, and the other from a stroke caused by a cut vertebral artery. Wow.
2: Yeah, he was just slashing. He was in there just like mashing it up, kind of like preschool style.
0: Look at this one. One patient, a childhood friend of Dunst, went in for a spinal operation with someone he trusted and woke up a quadriplegic after the doctor damaged his verte- vertebral ar- artery. Whew. That was his like be- childhood best friend. Oh my God. Turned him into a quadriplegic. Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's
1: psychos out
0: there, man. Is that him? uh, That's the guy that plays him
2: in the in in the the T V show? show. Yeah.
1: That's Josh Jackson from Uh,
2: Let's get a real photo of this. There was another
0: Dr. Death. There was a guy who created execution machines. There was a documentary about him. It's a crazy documentary. Because at the end he kinda gets hoodwinked into becoming a Holocaust denier.
2: Oh, I know about this guy. Yeah. Yeah. I keep tabs on all of them.
0: Yeah, he. W- I think he's gone now, but I think at the end of his life, like he was somehow or another brought to Auschwitz or one yes. of the one of the other concentration camps. I remember camps, this guy. Yes, and he said that this could not have been it's like, impossible. Have that ga- Zyklon
2: yeah. B could have. Yeah, I saw this documentary. Yeah. Oh, it was Errol Morris' film. Yeah, I remember this guy.
0: So what was his assertion? He. Cl- Claims he was invited to other American prisons, expected design modifications to electric chairs, possessed no relevant formal training or education, and claims that he was told that those who did possess such qualifications would not provide advice due to their opinions on death penalty, fear of reprisals, or that they were squeamish about the subject. So, so he was, what was he? What was his background? Just could, could you let it hear? It? So, it's, it, his career continued with other state prisons seeking his advice on execution facilities other than electrocution, such as gas chambers, hanging, and lethal injection. How do you say his name? Luch, Luchter? Luchter? Initially professed his ignorance of other methods of execution. The authorities seeking his advice reminded him that others with more qualifications refused to help. Luchter claims to have taught himself on these other methods of execution and provided advice that was used by the authorities to improve safety and efficiency. So, as Fall claimed, when Luchter claimed to have been sought as a witness for the defense for Ernest Zundel during, so one of the Nazis, right, in Canada for spreading false news by publishing and sending material denying Holocaust overseas. Luchter was asked by the defense to travel to Poland to visit... Uh, so that No, maybe that guy wasn't a Nazi. Maybe he was like a Holocaust denier. Ernst Zundel. So what is the trial? Spreading false news. So he's just been accused of spreading false news by publishing and sending material denying the Holocaust. So he's being tried for that. And Luchter was asked by the defense to travel to Poland to visit Auschwitz to investigate whether there had been operating gas chambers for executions at the camp. So at... At first examination, uh, Luchter felt that using poison gas in a building with the internal and external design of the buildings currently on display at the site would have caused the death of everyone in the area outside the buildings as well as inside. The film shows videotape footage taken in Poland of Lutzer taking samples of bricks in the buildings to take back to the United States forensic science labs to determine whether there was evidence of poison gas in the material. These samples were not identified as to where they came from. Lutzer states that the laboratories reported that there was not any trace of any poison gas at any time.
2: Right. I I remember. Yeah. After
0: his conclusions were disproven and negativity publicity ensued. Luchter lost his work as a consultant to American prisons, so his conclusions were disproven. So they must have found gas. Look, there's a lot of evidence that those were gas chambers. Like, yeah. that's, a, that's a crazy thing.
2: I think I remember that this this documentary because he starts saying these things. He starts. It's very similar to like social media clout. He starts saying these things and everybody starts to in the Holocaust denial community starts like bigging him up and going like this is our guy and he gets more ideological as a result of it.
0: Yeah, and this is the see he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. This is what the, this is one of the answers it says it's all a question of concentration. Once the gas is, is released into the atmosphere, its concentration decreases and is no longer dangerous. Also, HCN dissipates quickly. The execution gas chambers in U.S. prisons were also ventilated directly into the atmosphere, so, so it just dissipates. Furthermore, the argument would hold for the extermination chambers, it would hold for the delousing chambers as well, and one would have to conclude that no delousing chambers existed either. So it's just he doesn't understand how it dissipates. So there's probably no trace because there's no trace left. You know, yeah, it's, we're talking about he's doing this seventy years later. I mean, that's whatever a, it was. I
2: think that's what the I, I think that's what the documentary was about. Was that this guy got quickly got in over his head the minute he said one thing? They were all like, "We love you," and he became this kind of figurehead yeah. of, of that movement. Expert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people saying that they know stuff, uh, which is sort of the disease of our time.
0: So that's the other doctor death. They can have a duel of douchebags. <laughs> I think the guy with the surgeon's going to win. He seems more evil. I the mean, other guy seems to, like ego got a hold of him, or just stupidity. The Errol Morris yeah. guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, th- th- there it is a wild thing out there to, to think of going under the under the knife and then waking up and Ugh. realizing that. The, you hear about this? There was a, uh, a a lab, I believe, I can't remember which hospital, where the women were going in for fertility treatment. Yes. And they were not being given oxycontin; they were being given saline, and they would be under general. Oh. They would be under general anesthesia, so they couldn't stop it. So they were doing basically surgery, but you were paralyzed uh, oh because God. you're under general anesthesia. But you feel the pain, so you feel the pain the entire time. And they found out why is because there was a drug addict. Who was in charge of uh, dispensing the the oxycon who was just like taking it and being like, That's mine. Oh or it's fentanyl. God. It was fentanyl.
0: Oh my god.
2: And she was just like dripping the fentanyl into her bag and taking it home. Oh
0: my god. Yeah. Wow. Oh my god.
2: Jeez. That's a rough that's a rough one. And then they would come up and they would say
0: fucking evil people in this world.
2: They would say, Oh, I felt so much pain and they would go, No, no, you're fine. It's like, no, no. I think I just went under general surgery with absolutely no painkiller at all. But I was paralyzed. Oh, my gosh. Imagine that. Imagine that.
0: Well, imagine when they used to do it when you weren't paralyzed. Oh, they put a piece of leather in your mouth and just take your limb off. saw your leg off. Yeah. (laughs) Dances with wolves style. They would
2: give you um, ethyl, ethyl alcohol, right?
0: They would give you booze. They'd give you whatever the fuck they could give you. Yeah. it's not going to help. What do you think the garlic and the vampire connection is?
2: Garlic and vampires? Yeah. I don't know. Where did that know. one come from? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure.
0: Isn't garlic a very potent uh, antibacterial? Like, don't they say to take garlic if you have stomach flus? I think that's one of those uh, homeopathic solutions that people say take garlic if you're sick. But that, why vampires? Maybe vampires are connected to the, the idea of what a vampire is, is not knowing what happens to people when they get sick, not knowing what happens to people when they get a plague, blaming it on someone else, blaming it on someone evil, blaming it on a curse, you know, blaming it on someone who came back from the dead. And why, why does someone have, you know, anemia? Why is right. someone losing all their blood? You know, you could blame that on a vampire.
2: Yeah, I guess if you were extremely ill, it would seem like, but you're still
0: walking through the world, it would seem like you had been possessed on some level. Well, I've said that about people that get addicted to drugs. I've met people and they weren't addicted to drugs and they got addicted to drugs. It's like, oh my God, it's like that person got bit by a vampire.
2: Totally. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Not the vampire thing, but about people who, and I was on that road, by the way. That was going to be my life, but people who decided to get high instead of do anything else like it's like my life will just be getting high and that'll be it.
0: Yeah, and well, there's certain ones the ones that get physically addictive. They're terrifying. Yeah, The, the oxys the cocaine like that kind of shit where you're physically drawn to it. You need it to get to get well the heroin people that need it. They're sick. And they need it to get well. That is wild. Meth stuff, does
2: man. this even scarier thing, which is that it uh, it lowers the, your brain's ability to create its own. Um, what's the word for serotonin? Serotonin, and so meth becomes this like sort of cyclical trap where you can't actually. It's not just that you want to get high. Your brain can't make you happy without it, and oh it takes God. like a long time to rewire your brain in that particular way. Wow. Heroin's the one that everybody overdoses from. And meth is the one that people kind of go mad from slowly because their brains get weirdly atrophied in that way.
0: One of my friends from the pool hall um, was a crack addict, and he would go get crack, and then he would have to come down by drinking 40 ounces. So he would get so fucked up, I I, I would, he was always trying to, I took him a couple times to like bad neighborhoods so he could cop, but then um, we'd always have to go to a liquor store, and he would get like a 40 ounce. Of what? Old English, something Old English. like that. You were forty, guy. N- well, I drink them. I'm, it's they're fucking crazy strong. Like if That's you want to make sure I that drank. people n- never have any ambition and don't leave, <laughs> which is <laughs> probably
2: what they do. It's
0: exactly what I would do if
2: I was evil. I used to my the way I would choose what alcohol I would drink is like if a gangster rapper rapped about it, yeah. I would drink it. So. Right. Gin and juice, old English, old English. Saint English. That was my that was Saint my drink I'd of choice. Saint I'd, white uh, Mickey's was for white boys. I, mm. I didn't mess with that. Saint Ides for for the real brothers in the room. Mm. And Carlo Rossi because E forty had a, a a song called <laughs> Top of the Line Wine. Carlos Rossi, and then that was and then Mad Dog twenty twenty and Cisco. Those were the things that I drank. Mad
0: Dog twenty twenty is always a popular one. Sure, yeah,
2: for the youth of tomorrow.
0: Yeah, those they're fucking strong, man. And Johnny used to drink them. He used to down them when he was. And he was like, his eyes was all wild. He would be sweating, you know. But he was also a genius. He was a guy that could do complex math in his head. Well, there you are. Could, you could say to him, you know, like, just throw a bunch of numbers. 400, you could have a calculator there. 400 divided by 6 minus 10 uh, plus 500. You know, minor, you could keep going. Yeah. And he would go four, six, two. It's crazy. It was weird. You could and he'd go smoke crack could, after that. Yep. That's wild. Genius pool player, too. Like, one of the best pool players I've ever seen in my life. Like professional level pool player. I like spent my, I feel
2: like I spent my youth with people like that. Like I got sober at 15. Wow. Do you know that? I've been sober since I was 15. Wow. I went to rehab for the first time when I was 13.
0: Holy shit.
2: And then, uh, and then got, uh, finally got sober, finally got sober at 15, uh, <sighs> in a young people's meeting asking for help. And everybody in the room was 10 years, five to 10 years older than me in a young people's meeting. Wow. And that was like the be- that was the beginning of my my kind of life.
0: Holy shit! Did, were you a lot, latchkey kid? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you just got let out, and you were just out on the streets listening to rap, drinking forties. I was
2: a latchkey kid, and my mother, uh, Oakland Public Schools. My mom was deaf. My parent, my dad was deaf too, and he was like a like sort of born again hasidic jew like when they, when my parents split my dad got like super super religious we come mm. from we come from crazy i mean like a hardcore version of it's not like what you it's like you see unorthodox no uh, it's a show on netflix it, it's about a really hardcore sect that's the sect that my is it a fam- documentary series. It's a no. It's a it's a show. Oh, it's, a, it's show. a scripted show about the the sect of Hasidic Judaism called the Satmars, and that's the world that my my family was from. My stepmother was Satmar, and my my family came from a, a town called New Square, New York. Do you know anything about that? No. New Square is really interesting. It's like a village up above Muncie, which is already an unbelievably ultra orthodox place, but Muncie uh, is nothing compared to Square. Square is like the hy- height. Women don't drive in New Square, New York. Whoa! This is New York City. I got cousins that have Eastern European accents, and they are third-generation American. Which borough is this? Well, my family lived Muncie's in upstate New York, and my family lived in Brooklyn in Seagate. Uh, Do you know where Seagate is? It's like Pasconi Island Uh at the the tip of Brooklyn. right? And that was a Sotmer neighborhood. And kids in that neighborhood, we used to play dodgeball games where it would be the ultra-Orthodox kids versus the actually religious kids. Like that's how (laughs) intense things were. Like an ultra-Orthodox person that you looked at and went, wow, that's a real Jew right there. We were basically the Gentiles of the community. Holy shit. It was crazy. And I would be nine months a year in Oakland, regular public school, listening to Too Short, fly back to my dad's house, get driven to the, the Orthodox barber shop. they put a yarmulke on me, slacks, and I would go cosplay as an extra from Fiddler on the Roof for six weeks a year. Wow. So, so that was the pre, but before rehab. And that's sort of, part, I think that's the reason that I fell into the rehab so heavily, uh, into the drug so heavily, is because I was, everything about me made me feel like I am... Uh, I, I don't fit. I don't fit. I'm I'm a hearing person in a deaf world. I'm a essentially a Gentile in a in a Jewish world. You that know, it is
0: so crazy that you were considered a Gentile. I mean, they didn't really consider but me. You but you were not as religious effectively, as effectively. Them. Might there was
2: as something well something wrong have been. with you, dude. There was a there was a wow. There was a local rabbi when I was getting close to my bar mitzvah, and he goes. Uh, he noticed he was very nice, and he noticed that I I didn't know Hebrew. These kids spoke, and I'm not kidding, these kids spoke Yiddish as a first language. That's why they had the Eastern European accent, right? Wow. So my uncle, he was first generation American. So he sounds like an American because the first generation of Americans say, go fit in, right? But then by the time he had kids, they're like feeling their comfort in in the United States. And they go, don't go fit in, go to a seminary where we learn Yiddish. So my cousins sound like extras from Dr. Zhivago, and my uncle sounds like a New Yorker. Like, it's wow. that weird. So they speak Yiddish as a first language. I would bring an English prayer book to school. And kids would, people would be like staring like it was a scarlet letter, like there's something wrong with me because I had an English book. Because you couldn't speak it in Hebrew. (laughs) Because I didn't know Hebrew. Hebrew? So it's getting towards my bar mitzvah, right? It's my 12th year or 11th year, and I don't know the alphabet. And this rabbi sees that I'm struggling. Um, And my dad was deaf, and so he had this kind of like bizarre relationship with the community where he was like one part accepted, one part almost mascot in a way that was a, a little insulting, but he was loved, whatever. The rabbi said, "Give him to me, and I'll teach him Hebrew." Right. This is like the '90s, early, or late '80s, early '90s. So you could, at that time, ask for some alone time with a child, and they'd be handed over, no questions asked. Right. So I go to his house, and he starts teaching me the Hebrew, the Hebrew, the alphabet, basic, elemental. I mean, like this is like a Talmudic scholar teaching me the ABCs, right? And I am struggling. I like can't get it. And he goes, "Don't worry, don't worry." He goes. Don't, 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 don't be embarrassed. Hold on. Shmuli, Shmuli, come in, come, come. And his son comes into the room and he goes, do the English alphabet. This is an American kid. He goes, do the English alphabet. And the kid goes, oh, no. Uh, A B G-, G and then he slaps me. The rabbi slaps me on the back. and He goes, "See, he is stupid in English. You are stupid in Hebrew. Everybody's stupid." That's the, <laughs> the, the, that was the energy. What a sweetheart, right? That's a good way to approach it. Yeah, it was like he was willing to humiliate his yeah. eldest son to teach me to love learning. It's
0: funny though; the kid doesn't know the English alphabet. It was. Wow. I'm sure eventually he got it, but this was maybe like not. A, maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, there's there's communities in this country that exist generation after generation where they only speak one language. No, it's like they
2: made Wakanda in Brooklyn.
0: That was mm. like the You know and I was in multiple Wakandas
2: too. I was born into like the deaf Wakanda where imagine that you're being born the enemy But I was I'm a member of the deaf community I don't I think every deaf person would say that that I I like belong, but I also was the enemy I was the hearing and and so you're why do they think
0: of the hearing as the enemy?
2: Well, that is a complicated question and it's because um, There has been a lot of enforced oppression on the deaf community from the from the outside the story of <clears throat> sign language is really fascinating. Um, Three hundred years ago, there was no sign language. There was no. There was. There was only. The kind of sign, if you were born—90% of deaf people are born into a hearing family, right? That's just the way genetics works. Like, most of the time, you don't have deaf family members. And if you were born 350 years ago into one of those families, you just didn't have language. You weren't given the gift of language, which is the thing— I mean, think about how much language plays into your own life, Joe. Like, yeah. speaking and— think. Everything you know every thought process you have is, is mashed through the filter of language yeah. And in that situation you'd be born into a family and you had zero language it, You would have like a gesturing system that you'd created with your dad to be able to say like pass the potatoes And that right. was it you couldn't so you
0: say how you feel you couldn't say what you wanted to do You couldn't
2: even think about how you I mean you could think I don't know I mean I wasn't I, yeah. I've never experienced that but language is the thing that unlocks reason It's the thing that unlocks culture yeah. and people were stymied from that, but If you were born lucky enough to have genetic deafness in your family, so that you and your sibling were both user both deaf, then the two of you sitting together could create language, a language of two, right? You would back and forth between two siblings create a a family sign system that would enable the both of you learning from one another to create a language and enable you to reason and think and talk about how you feel, even if it was just with one person.
0: Communicate with the outside world.
2: But at least you could communicate right. with yourself and with one other person. I mean, the difference between an isolated deaf person and a pair of siblings is the world. It's, mm. it's, it's freedom. It's everything. Right. So one day, a French pe- priest walks along, uh, along and sees two deaf sisters signing back and forth to one another. And he goes, that's language. Prior to that deaf people weren't even considered to be linguistic they weren't even considered to be uh, capable of reason but he goes, no, I know what that is. I'm looking at language. So he goes to these sisters. His name is the Abbe de Epe and he says teach me to sign somehow he tells them like you know teach me these gestures to them, teach me to sign. They teach him to sign and he his thing was he wanted them to take the catechism right? That they, He wanted them to be able to go to heaven. He realized, oh, deaf people have, are, are linguistically capable, but they can't get into heaven unless they can take the catechism and confess their faith and take communion, right? Which right, makes sense if yeah. there is a God that God wouldn't allow them into heaven based on the fact that they <laughs> couldn't speak. He's like, what I, my hands are tied here, buddy. So You have to say it. <laughs> so they teach him. They teach him and he teaches them back French. And then he starts to gather the deaf people from around the world. uh, I'm sorry, from around France. And he creates the first school for the deaf. He
0: teaches them French in sign.
2: In sign. That's right. Whoa. Because French, because sign language and spoken language are not the same. A lot of people think that, right? That like I speak American sign language, uh, but uh, people think, oh, it's a translation of English. It's not. It's his complete own language, right? So...
0: Oh, I did not know that.
2: Well, so much so that w- the way that he would fundraise for this school is he would do like a traveling like roadshow. Where he would take his, his star pupils around France and around Europe and they would be at a, like an exhibition hall. And a person in the audience would ask a question. He would say, oh, Joe, do you have a question for the deaf person? And then you'd ask them some French question like, you know, what, is, what degree of suffering can be borne by man or how many creams is too many creams for a brie or whatever. And he would take your question, sign it to his star pupils, and they would take a piece of chalk, walk up to the blackboard and write the answer in perfect French and it people lost their fucking minds like they couldn't believe it like deaf people oh my god it like unlocked this whole conception of the deaf as like uh they can think they can reason oh they all they need is language to be free right Mm. so all this whole network of deaf schools for the deaf started to spring up they would they sprung up in all over europe and they would uh, copy the the teaching methods of the the school for the deaf and um and 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 A guy from America came over, right? And he saw this system, and he basically took their star pupil. And one of the things was the deaf would teach each other. So you would teach them sign, and then they would become educated, and then they would become a professor at this school. And he took like the star professor, uh, Laurent Clerc was his name. Um, Thomas Gallaudet was the name of the American. He came over, and he saw Laurent Clerc, and he said, "Move to America with me, and let's go do that. Let's go replicate this in America." So Thomas Gallaudet says yes. They get on a boat. They sail to America. By the time they landed, Thomas Gallaudet knew rudimentary sign, and Laurent Clerc, who was like a fucking genius, knew uh, basically. They'd been taught English, and they set up the first school for the deaf in America. Right? He
0: figured out English on a boat? He
2: was a genius, like a real genius, like, wow. a, like an actual, like lucky enough to have been, you know, these circumstances mm-hmm. in history where like the perfect man at the perfect time. Yes. Like, They come here, they set up this school here, and they start to create American sign language. And they, they borrowed from these different worlds, right? They took French sign language as the base. Martha's Vineyard. Uh, back then, had this weird genetic anomaly on the island of Martha's Vineyard. This is like before it was just a place for Kennedys to fuck their mistresses. This was like back when it was a, a fishing ta- a fishing island. Mm-hmm. There was some weird genetic thing that had happened where over the course of hundreds of years, one in 25 people on Martha's Vineyard was deaf. Whoa. And it was this very bizarre uh, kind of like, like almost... The, the equality that deaf people on Martha's Vineyard felt was almost like the opposite of like what uh, affirmative action is attempting to do. Right, Affirmative action wants to correct a historic harm by, uh, by changing the playing field. This was an equity of everybody was the same because everybody on Martha's Vineyard knew uh either was deaf knew a deaf person or was related to a deaf person so everybody hearing and non-hearing signed on martha's vineyard it was a a sign system called uh martha's vineyard sign language they took some of that they took the plains indian sign language p-i-s-l it's called you know that like gesture um uh you've seen it in like movies where the the native americans will will gesture to each other Mm -hmm. and you think they presented as if it's like a war language so they don't have to make noise but what it actually was was all the tribes in uh, america spoke different languages so they created this co- kind of uh, esperanto of the tribes really? so that they could trade they could do trade and they, that was called plains indian sign language and they took all that into a, like kind of bouillabaisse of a french sign language base martha's vineyard chaser and plains indian sprinkled on top and they created american sign language and then Hundred years, two hundred years later, my mother was born deaf uh, in in Oakland, California, and she went to the California School for the Deaf, and she absorbed this language. My mother was thirteen when she went to the California School for the Deaf. She was in a, other uh, an oral school system. This is my long-winded way of telling you why deaf people have such a problem with hearing people. That language that she learned, she was she was in an oral school system. So almost as soon as the sign language system came out. Hearing people looked at it and go, we got to get rid of that. The one thing that unlocked their freedom, the one thing that unlocked their minds, hearing people saw it and said, we have to take that away from them. We have to make them more like us. By doing the sign, they're creating more Wakanda. They're creating an insular sort of closed circuit system of culture, right? And, they're, and weirdly, this was at a time in American history where those closed circuits of culture were really frowned upon. This, oh, like, they were
0: frowning upon deaf people signing to each other. Deaf
2: people signing to each other. Italians having their own newspapers. Chinese immigrants. Like every at that time in American history, the idea of creating like an immigrant subculture was was really frowned upon. Mm. And Alexander Graham Bell, whose parents were deaf like me, had a deaf wife. He became the champion of what was called the oral system. Um, and the oral system was well, let's not let's not allow them to sign. Let's teach them to speak. Let's make them like us. Let's make them talk normally and function normally. Let's make them like us. Mm. But it it was a crazy failure, because and it makes sense why, right? They like they can't hear the sounds. They can't hear the sounds. Oliver Sacks said teaching a deaf person uh, without sign is like teaching you Japanese from inside of a soundproof booth by holding up flashcards in Japanese and like putting a symbol next to it. It was yeah. like kind of doomed to failure. And then they went through this, this 200 years reimposed darkness. There was a, there was a trial where all the hearing educators decided the deaf people wouldn't sign anymore. They fired all the deaf educators and they pushed them out and they created this oral system, which really, I mean, it worked for some people, some people, but what it created was you had to be exceptional in order to be average in the deaf world. You know, you had to be a genius uh, in order to get that oral system to work for you because your natural mode of communication had been kind of stamped out. And then, in about the the seventies, deaf people started to like kind of rise up and say, "Fuck that! We're signing. This is who we are. This is our native language." And when I was born in seventy nine, that was the that was the world I was born into. And 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 so from that. Two sisters on a fucking corner in in a slum in Paris to that school to Gallaudet to a boat ride to the Martha's Vineyard to the California School for the Deaf to my mother's hands to my hands that was the way that I acquired language. It was through this crazy historical journey, and that to me is is the reason that I, that when i was born into the deaf community there was so, there was so much distrust of the hearing world because they were like they stole from us the mm. one thing that gave us freedom
0: that makes sense wow i did not know any of that stuff that's incredible what how does someone get to be a fake sign language interpreter <laughs> and be on stage with obama was it Obama? Oh, it's been multiple people. But I just, one, there was one recently that happened. Yeah. but The, the Obama one was bananas. Because this guy was totally insane. And he was standing in front of Obama just making things up. I'll tell you how good he is. I want to see. Can I see it? The Obama guy? How bad the Obama yeah. guy is. Well, I think it's just gibberish. Dude, I think he's just the sign language version of gibberish. I, my life was going to appointments
2: with my mother and being tasked with the job of interpreting for my mom's medical appointments mm. for my mom it was like a, a non-consensual internship program right like i i like her medical appointments and then i started to get in trouble and then the 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 subject of the meeting would be me it would be like a disciplinary meeting about so you me you
0: would have to explain what your mom was having a problem with with you
2: or what the school system or what the oakland police department what their problem with me was oh my god and then you have to do this kind of like this kind of interpretive dance, where right. you, you, you're you're not re- you can't be like, oh, we think your son is awesome. He's a cool kid. We love him. Because then your mom, my mom's not stupid. She'd be like, all right, let's this. see how bad so this guy is. Guy. Okay, well that's He's not Obama.
0: <laughs> no, that's not the one. <laughs>
1: this this is, is the guy. guy I remember that. It's oh, there the same is. guy. It's just the same oh,
2: guy. this was the, in at wrong, the okay. Nelson Mandela
0: uh, Memorial. Yeah. So right. check this dude out.
1: <laughs> this video doesn't have him met with Obama. Okay, just
0: show him by himself with that other gentleman. So what what is he doing here, Moshe? <laughs> I, I am at a disadvantage, Joe, because I this
2: is South Africa, and right. I do not speak South African sign language. Oh, but I remember this So there this is guy. A, South, a South African sign language. I would to- as, I would assume every system. You want to hear something crazy? It is so not a translation of English that uh, my mother know, would have a much harder time understanding a British sign, sign uh, signer than a French signer. Whoa, so it has nothing. It's divorced from English, wow. right? Ah, oh, this one? lady. Okay So I can tell you that this woman is actually using sign language. This is actual sign language But she is very bad at sign language. Is and, that what it is? Yes, those are real letters and I this is completely incomprehensible F- 55 million is what she just said. I don't know what that is. Please Announcement tonight handcuffs she, look <laughs> she waved her arms around like she was singing jingle
0: bells, but that's not true Right well, if she's
2: doing some sign language Well, she's a hustler what whatever this is, but I did dude I've been to so many appointments mm. with my mother with my mother where I walk in and the, and and it's an emergency room appointment and I go You can leave just leave Because you aren't qualified to do this, and this is fucking life or death for my mother, and you're here. You shouldn't have taken this fucking job. You should have known better than to take this job because this is an emergency room situation. So that's—when I was an interpreter, the the responsibility of that was, like, massive to me. I, I, I felt that so acutely because I'd lived through it. In such a direct way, right? I've told, have been an interpreter when people were told they were dying. I've been an interpreter oh when people were, were graduated from graduate school, from like getting their doctorate. All the, way. I've been an interpreter where people were in court, and it was literally the the, the degree to which I could sign accurately and faithfully was a difference between them going to prison and not going to prison. <sighs> like, I've done all of that, and that the, that weight is like super massive to me, and I can super only important. Imagine. Yeah, and some funny shit has happened along the way too. I'm sure. Like some very strange situations.
0: Well, how does the deaf community feel about people who get like implants and can hear again?
2: So that's a, another complicated question. Um, I think, have you ever seen The Sound in the Fury? No. It's a fucking beautiful and fantastic documentary about cochlear implants and the deaf community. I mean, the thing is, deaf, the deaf community had a, an, an, I, and I don't speak for the deaf community, obviously, but I can speak for my own experience. My mother has a cochlear implant, she got one. Because my mom was like, my mom's like an iconoclast, and she's like, I'm not going to allow a taboo in deaf society to keep me from experiencing as much of life as I could possibly experience. Of course. But in general, especially at the beginning, deaf people hated the idea of a cochlear implant because they do not feel, and I think to some degree I agree with them, that deafness is a disability. They feel that... that. Um, That what it is, is it's a a culture. I mean, obviously they can't hear. That's a disability. But the true disability comes from the fact that communication barrier. And so to them, they see the cochlear implant as just another imperialist, now a robotic mechanism to
0: make them hearing again. But wouldn't that be counterbalanced by the ability to absorb art? You you mean like music? Yeah. But But how do they hear it? Do they hear it the way a normal person hears it?
2: Well, I can tell you um, in section two of the book, My Rave Years, what kind of music the deaf like more than any other in my experience, is Raves? definitely slamming techno. Really? Because it's a really simple form mm. to be able to experience and feel uh, is is just that boom, boom, boom of techno or house. They love, they love that.
0: One of the best pool players in the world is deaf, and he shuts that his right? hearing aid off when he plays.
2: I can totally see that. Because you're like hyper focused, you're mm-hmm. like all the way in. Yeah, I can completely he see that. shuts it off, that.
0: and he just doesn't miss.
2: I mean, my mother, my mother is still deaf. If you met her, you would be like, there would be no part of you that was like, this person isn't deaf. Uh, she sounds deaf, and she, she she is, and she signs. But she wanted, yeah, to experience. But, but she can hear. True. So when you're old, and your brain has set its pa- neural pathways to such a degree that it does not process sound and never has. The cochlear implant, apparently, it's not, there's no way to uh, reignite an atrophied pathway into a normal hearing system, right? By the way, the cochlear implant, I think it, I don't know, I've never had one, obviously, it sounds robotic. It, mm. sa- it never sounds like... W- Which is why they like techno. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, it's yeah.
0: simple to, you know, it's not like listening to Country Roads. Oh, I
2: thought you meant because it, it connects, it's like no, a, ro- a robot it, music. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. easy to follow. But right. I don't even mean people with cochlear implants. Deaf people in general, they love raves because, it, yeah, it's easy to follow. You can dance right. to it. Right. You don't have to follow some symphonic kind of like path or whatever. When they're totally deaf, do they feel techno? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So where do they feel it? Their feet? I would say probably their genitals mostly. Really? But no, I don't know. Their whole body. I mean, you, you've been to a rave, haven't if, you? No. You
0: never have? No. I wonder if your genitals really do feel it, if you couldn't hear.
2: If bass is, I can say if bass is deep enough, you can definitely feel it in your genitals. That is true.
0: So you'd be just kind of barely moving? I well, When
2: I was a big raver and I became eventually like a rave promoter and a DJ, I was a DJ at raves through the 90s. Um, And an ecstasy dealer but that's another story I started when I was about 16 I bought my first set of turntables and a mixer and I was terrible obviously like everybody starting out but you can't play in your headphones DJing really you have to like have it be amplified Mm -hmm. and I had a very uh, uh, lucky break in having deaf parents because I would just set everything all the way to the max and my mom would be like happily studying in the other room and I would just be like train wrecking Ah, techno
0: beats. (laughs) that's hilarious How'd your neighbors feel about that?
2: I didn't have neighbors. I live next door to a um, to a terrible bar. So I could have given a fuck. Oh, that's lucky. I grew up next to like a real white trash kind of like Ooh. wannabe gangster bar. That was oh, I would say the no. energy. Yeah, really rough. Ooh. They'd be like showing off their like sound system and their like cutlass supreme. Oh <laughs> that was great. the energy. Oh <laughs> pissing Christ. on my front door and shit like that.
0: Oh my god. Wow. Oh, is a, this a deaf
2: raver? Def Rave. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm not making this
0: up. <laughs> I don't think that's music, the real music. But yeah. Yeah.
1: That's this uh company, the group called Deaf Rave. They host raves for deaf people. Well, wow. that's what I'm saying,
2: the house music and techno music really is actually music that's made for your body rather than your mind, mm. you know? And it's made to move to. And so I think for the deaf community, this is like it's it is the perfect form.
0: Mm. And
2: these guys are all deaf. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, you would definitely feel the bass for sure. Sh- I mean, I don't they yeah. There's there's uh headphones you can get that transduce sound through your jaw instead of going through your ear whoa and i but they have to still be able to understand what that that's you know, really fascinating what the, what the frequencies are
2: speaking of weird surgeries when my grandma rather when my mom got the cochlear implant it decimated her balance she has not been the same since oh, she's no. she's super wobbly because they they took out her inner ear and they put it put in a, ro- a robotic cochlea instead oh. and her inner ear ba- and she wanted to get the other one done and we had to do like a, a cochlear implant intervention we go mom no You're gonna be in a wheelchair if you do that like don't do that
0: just wrecks your equilibrium
2: wrecked hers a lot of people with cochlear implants are are doing fine oh but she for some reason you know I wish I mean I love my mom and I who am I to say that that it wasn't worth it she says it's worth it to her and it's not my business she wanted to experience in the in the last quarter of her life like the sensation of sound and I think like I get that when you've never experienced something like why you wouldn't walk through that door to me, I wish she'd never gotten it because now she's like this wobbly older lady, and it like scares the shit out of me.
0: Is there a way to correct it? The wobbly no. thing? No. They
2: take it out. I mean, they they once they
0: do it, that's it. There's Well, they literally they can do remove. To fix
2: it. They literally remove your cochlea and oh. put uh, put a robot cochlea in instead. Oh. So there's no no. It's it's irreversible. She can't do an MRI either.
0: Oh boy, yeah, that
2: sucks. She can't like, do a lot of things because <laughs> like yeah. a piece of machinery will clunk out of her brain.
1: Rip out of her fucking head, right?
2: But yeah, I think that people, deaf, the deaf community
0: is... Uh, Neuralink, bro. I wonder how that would work with deaf people. I'm sure... You know. with, oh, the new product is called Telepathy. Let a person control a phone or computer just by thinking. Well, I heard about...
1: What okay, if you think in ASL, then you know, you're not thinking in English? I
0: thought the Keep first it. ones were going to be for people that were injured. Oh, to get that is, them out of yeah. like uh, but p- I guess paralysis that is, or something. That is someone. But if you were injured, in like Stephen Hawking's, right? You know that would have been perfect for him, right? But what would it do? You would be able to do everything on a computer. Oh, just it would by no thinking. longer be robot voice, right? You could type. You could. You could do everything, right? You could. It says that you could talk faster. He said that you could talk faster than an auctioneer. With, with Neuralink?
2: Yeah, with Neuralink. That's interesting. Yeah. How so fast you, can you say, get me to Epstein's Island? Ah! <laughs> How quickly? Get me to Epstein's Island. It
0: took him one minute to write each word. Is that true? Yeah. And there was uh, allegations towards the end of his life. He married his nurse. His story's crazy, because I have a bit on him, and I've been researching him over the last few weeks. His story's nuts. He... Um, was most people that have that disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, they die within two years. He right. lived like 55 years. Right. And by the end of his life, all he could do was move his cheek muscles. That was all that moved. That's so he could so move crazy. his cheek muscles and he would use the cheek muscle to control a cursor and he would select letters on a screen. Can, is there any
2: reason why he survived? Or is it just full on luck of the draw?
0: Probably luck of the draw. I mean, access to great medicine. I mean, he's right. Whether well,
2: there's that, I kind of feel like sometimes... scientist, there's some part of me that believes, like, until the Epstein story broke, that it was like a gift from the universe. Well, or the something. thing about the
0: Epstein Island thing is. There were a lot of scientists that got lured onto that island. Uh-huh. And imagine if you're a scientist. Let's say you're a physicist and someone contacts you contacts you and says, Moshe, would you like to go meet this guy, that guy, and that guy right, on a right, retreat? Right. And you're like, oh, these guys are super legit. This must be legit. Right. You know, you're know, you over there studying the cosmos. How much time are you Googling Jeffrey Epstein? That's why I always and, hit these things. And in the beginning, no one really had reason to believe that he was doing anything right, wrong right, with all right. fam- until he got arrested.
2: That's why I always hate these things where they go, you took a picture with so-and-so, therefore you're... It's like, what does that have to... I don't... You take a picture with a thousand people a day. Like, what is... I, I have no... I'm not Googling everybody I do a picture with.
0: Right. Especially if you just meet someone at a show or something like that. It's insane. But also... You know with these people these scientists like they're, they're, That's a really sneaky trick to get a bunch of prominent people together and then invite you to be with those prominent people
1: Right, right. And it's
0: a good intelligence operation move. I mean if I was an, an intelligence operative That's how I would compromise people. Oh, but, you think there's
2: a party that thinks maybe they were lured there not just uh, duplicitously, but in order to take them down 100% oh, not to take them
0: down to have their influence.
2: I see, to triangulate them into, yes. into uh, I, you can, you'll can do what I want you to do kind of a thing. Yes, yes. Right.
0: You, you will support Israel uh, no matter what. You will do this. You will do that. You will, you know, the CIA will tell you to do something. You do it. You know, if you're a person that has an enormous amount of influence in a field of science, that's a very valuable person to have on your hand if you ever have something where someone has to speak to the general public. Right. You get this expert, and this expert has a an opinion that's very different than some other people's opinions and they say well then they promote that opinion this right. is the person. Well, you could you could do a lot of things especially if you have a lot of them.
2: Right, right. You so know? an islands an island's worth.
0: Yeah, and then you also keep them from criticizing you. You keep them from talking about it. You, you know, you essentially muzzle them to this very complex sort of scheme that was running. Where they were compromising. That's all what you these think people. Epstein's islands was 100%. about. One hundred percent.
2: It wasn't like a plague, hedonistic playground. It was actually like a. He was an, an
0: intelligence agency agent, most likely. Ah, that's most it. likely. Well, Ghislaine Maxwell, her father was an intelligence operative, you know, and he was the one who apparently had trained Epstein, supposedly. You know, the whole thing is very convoluted because it's very difficult. The stories filled with very wealthy, powerful people who have done a fantastic job of keeping themselves from getting arrested. It's pretty wild, like, how this has been out in the open. Just the murder of Epstein, which seems to be a murder, doesn't seem to be a hanging. You ever got upset you weren't invited? No, I'm <laughs> pretty happy. <'Cause laughs> you might have gone. I would have gone if I didn't yeah. know. If Especially you get an email, pre- dude, we got an island. It's really fun. You... Especially pre-Google. Oh, yeah. Pre-Google, you're like, hey, do you want to go out with hang out with Stephen Hawking on an island? You're like, holy shit. But I did used to think, uh, ever, yeah, back to the Hawking thing, that,
2: I don't know, like the universe gave him to us in this weird way. Like, here's this mega brilliant genius. I'm not like a big deist in that way. But I think, what are the odds that the smartest man ever to get Lou Gehrig's got to live long enough to give over the full bulk of his genius? There's mm. something very beautiful and interesting about that to me.
0: Well, yeah, that, that's a good point. That that guy who had so much to give lived so long with a disease that kills so quickly. It, yeah. 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 I mean, um, he was uh, apparently he was paralyzed. He couldn't move, but he could feel. Uh-huh. So that's why he liked girls. Yeah, and you know, there's a crazy article, and I forget what magazine—Variety, maybe? They, they, they were, I, no, I forget the I forget the magazine. But they were uh, talking about he was like a frequent visitor to strip clubs. Right, and he would go to like swingers places. Imagine and,
2: being the the stripper yeah. when Hawking comes in.
0: She probably didn't know who he is. You know, yeah. probably, probably that's, fuck, not, that's possibly not fucked true. Fucked up old guy. <laughs> if you're 22 years old and your stage name is Lexus, what are the odds that you know who Stephen Hawking is? You know? I mean, he's pretty famous. Pretty famous pretty guy. Pretty famous for people that care about those things. Yeah. I think Lexus cared. Maybe. I think you're. you're, you're Perhaps. Cut, Lex- <laughs> cut Lexus some slack. Well, maybe. Maybe Lex- <laughs> Lexus is just, you know, Lexus dancing is a her way deep through thinker. school. That's right. There's those. That's yeah. real. I think. Um, the 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 Hawking thing is a strange story, but it's all, the whole island thing is a strange story. It's a strange story. It's a story that is one of those things where you go and like, this sounds like the plot of a movie. Right. How could this really be how they did it? You know?
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah. That movie will come out. Who oh, plays yeah. Epstein?
0: That's a good question.
2: I got a pitch. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, Baldwin be good. Be a good too big.
0: So, well, there's a little stink on him right now. <laughs> well, Excellent. there's a little stink on Epstein, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, I mean, maybe too much for him to get the part. Sure. Um, You would want someone to, who would do it? Oh, uh, Bradley Cooper, he could do it.
2: Oh, B.C. He's a, he's a good
0: guy at assuming yeah, new characters. Yeah, great. Two great Jewish heroes. Yeah.
2: He goes from uh, Maestro to Epstein's Island.
0: <laughs> 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 well, he played, uh, he's played a lot of people. Um, who else would be good at it? Christian Bale, he could do anything. Christian Bale is the best of us. Have you seen Poor Things? No, I haven't.
2: Emma Stone is the best actor in the world. I'm, really? I, I'm on I'm on record now. Wow. Uh, Poor Things was great. Better I loved than Daniel Day Lewis. Well, DDL is um, he is
0: retired. Is he? He's still retired. He, I think so. I feel like he's about to come out. Do
2: you think he's about it's to like drop Floyd a new Maylor. mixtape? He's ready to <laughs> get back in there. Not that. Is a pay per view that I would pay for. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis versus Floyd Mayweather.
0: I bet if you gave Daniel Day Lewis long enough, he'd learn how to. Bo- he was really good in the, a movie called The Boxer. It was about an IRA guy who got out of jail, and he looked like a re- real legitimate boxer. He trained for an entire year in a boxing gym. That's all he did before he, you know, before they filmed. So he went to a boxing gym and he essentially was there every day. You know, he had to be
2: called Mr. President on set of Lincoln, yeah, including to like a, the security guard. There was like some older security guard that like just had got hired that day. Yeah, he was all in. He was. All, but That's those him. kind of people are so insufferable. And then you look at their performance, you go, I don't know. I guess it's worth it. Like, it's, I think
0: it's got to be worth it. I would not want to be around him during the There Will Be Blood movie.
2: No, definitely not. Fuck that. I just saw In the Name of the Father again. Have you seen that? It's one of his earlier movies. It's like an IRA story about...
0: Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Such a good fucking movie. He's 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 so good. He's got no duds. Is that true? I don't know of any duds.
2: Yeah, I guess you're right.
0: I don't think he's got any duds.
2: Oh, that's such a good movie. I love this movie.
0: Last of the Mohicans was great, too. He was great. He's great in everything. Right? So He I'm really a... decided to start making shoes.
2: Um, is that true? Yeah, he became a cobbler. He went too deep into the phantom thread.
0: No, he just decided that's what he feels like doing right now.
2: Well, I think it's time for me to reveal something to you, Joe. Official
0: statement. Daniel, Daniel Day-Lewis will no longer be working as an actor. He is immensely grateful to all his collaborators and audiences over the many years. This is a private decision, and neither he nor his representatives will make any further (laughs) comment on the subject. Why be so mysterious? And also, what is this office building? Is that Photoshopped?
1: I think someone made this account on Instagram and just put this up. DDL. I don't imagine that's by him.
0: Yeah, I would not imagine that he has an Instagram. So, yeah, those boots you liked so much, Joe?
2: Those are he DDLs. Made? Nice. That's right. DDLs. I was going to get us to this conversational that, that, point at some point today. That would
0: be a you know a dope brand. Like if Daniel Day Lewis started like actually selling things, I would buy Daniel Day Lewis shoes. Percent, you'd be the coolest guy in the fucking room.
2: Absolutely. But yeah, Emma Stone import things. I'm, I, she's the new
0: one. Is he still a cobbler? Does he sell shoes or does he just make them? He might be one of those dudes that just make shoes. You
2: want to hear a crazy <laughs> cobbler? Uh, to so like the conversation we were talking about earlier.
1: 20 years ago? Yeah, after he, the boxer. He s- secretly made off. Secretly
2: of made shoes, 96 to 97, okay. My, wow. mother, my, <laughs> my mother learned sign language because of a cobbler. Oh,
1: so wow. my,
2: my grandma had her in an oral school, and she was failing, and she was isolated, and had no friends. And my, mother, my grandma went to get her shoes fixed at this cobbler, and he happened to be deaf randomly and my grandma was like you know t- talking to passing notes back and forth with him and he said that he'd never learned sign language and th- and that he didn't have any friends and that he didn't he didn't have any access to the world and he was just this like lonely cobbler and that was the day my mo- my my grandma pulled her out of an oral school and sent her to the school for the deaf to learn sign language it was wow. all because of a cobbler that's awesome yeah it's a, it's a wild one
0: Do you believe in synchronicities, like that these things happen on purpose, that there's something, some sort of a destiny to life?
2: I can tell you that um, I've been thinking about destiny a lot. She was the other stripper at the strip club (laughs) looking at Stephen Hawking. No, I've been thinking about destiny a lot because of this book. because. You know, these are worlds, all of these worlds that I write about in this book, like deafness and Hasidic Judaism and AA and raves and Burning Man and, uh, and stand up there. They don't go together except through like my body, like right. through me, I'm, right. I'm the connective tissue and having written this book, like now i I guess I'm in my middle, in middle age or something like that. If I'm like, lucky. If I'm lucky. Yes. Amen. May I, may I be so lucky. I'm looking back and going like this whole thing was a path. And there is no way to see destiny. I don't believe in destiny looking forward. I believe in destiny looking back. Like Everywhere you land uh, is destiny in this weird way because it never could have been anything else. I have all these, and I'm sure you do too, these portals in my life. You could have been a pool hustler only you you could have been a, and you could have gone to the pool hustler thing and then gotten shot and been died at 25 or like there's all these multiverse possibilities of the Moshe that mm-hmm. wasn't and the Moshe that was was always headed in this direction like I... I like think about stand-up the only reason i started stand-up is because i was in israel uh doing a semester abroad and it was in the the second intifada and it got uh shut down and i got i just decided randomly to go to new york and uh and i happened to have a friend who i'd kept in touch with who was doing stand-up and she brought me to a show that night and i i saw patrice and sarah silverman uh and i i never even thought stand-up in my life i like never it, i mean i'd seen like delirious or it's like i watched janine's uh special and it but i didn't care stand-up wasn't part of my thing but i saw them doing their thing and i was like i couldn't believe it like i i'd been writing like long form monologues and like wanting to be an actor i didn't know what i wanted to do i wanted to write plays maybe i wanted to be a historian i just didn't know and then i saw them how old were you i was 21 and i go first of all patrice Was making fun of Michael J. Fox and was like the week that his Parkinson's had been, and I was like, I like couldn't believe it. Felt uh, illegal, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I was just like, this. How can this be? You know, and Uh... and then Sarah went on and she was transgressive in this way that was like. Anyway, I go, wow, that's crazy. And then the next night, my friend was doing a set. And I went and saw her and she was funny. I go, what the hell? She's a human being. Like these are gods that I just saw last night, you know, but this is a person, she's like me. So I said to her, when you come to the bay, I'll write five minutes of material, take me to an open mic. I go to the open mic, I do the open mic, it goes pretty well. And then I just like my destiny was like set. I like now here I am, it's 20 years later. I just wrote my second book. I'm talking to you. I got a wife at home who's a comic who I met in comedy clubs. I have a child at home that's a result of the, the connection that the two of us have. I can't even, even look back and think about the other lives it could have been, because it's like that to me is destiny is looking back and going, I was like, I don't know how. I don't know how raves to burning man to deafness to Hasidic Judaism to AA to stand up led here, but it was always leading here. This is where I was going.
0: Do you believe in the multiverse? Do you believe that there's infinite numbers of you living in different directions and infinite possibilities that have because that's what if the people that believe that we live in one channel of essentially what's an infinite radio dial. Yeah. That, that That's why you can only exist in the moment, really.
2: Because it's only one thing going.
0: Yeah, it's only one thing going and it can go any way. And if there's an infinite number of you out there, which it likely, the way the universe is, if you, if you talk to people that actually understand the scope of infinity, they will tell you that not only do humans exist, mm-hmm. but you exist. And not only do you exist, but you exist in the form where you have done everything that you have done on this earth. You, Moshe, the guy I'm talking to yeah. right now, there's an infinite number of you. Doing the same that thing. That have done that. Exactly. Every pause that you've made. Uh-huh. And then there's an infinite number of ones who made different choices. And is it an infinite number of different choices that they have made at every single moment of every single step of their life? That's how big infinity is. What is the I guess there is no purpose in that. There it's like it's I like, don't know. There still might be a purpose. Right. There's still there's definitely a purpose to the people that exist in the moment, that exist in this time that we're we're sharing. So if that is real, and it is felt by all of us, life is amazing, and when it is, and it's terrible when it's not, you know, there's, there's definitely, it's, there's a meaning to it. It's what does that do, and what, what are these moments, and what is, what is the, the powerful emotion of love, and the way people feel when they hear great music, and all the good things that human beings are capable of, and all the things that human beings do what what is that doing like what it's it's expressing energy it's expressing the universe in some weird way has taken this multi-celled being and allowed it to change the surface of the planet and experiment with video where it flies through space and hits another person's device on the other side of the planet instantaneously what we've done is fucking bizarre and I can't think that there's not a meaning to it because there's a meaning to us while it's happening.
2: well if you believe that story that i not that I'm saying that story was the most magical story, it's my magical story, and everybody has their own little yeah. version of a magical story if like, you're lucky, it's magical right right. and that's not to discount people's tragedy that, right. that that they go through too and some of my by the way, some of my path was was paved with tragedy and 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 that's to me the history of the of the Jews is like this sort of triumphant story that's like pockmarked with insane tragedy all the time and then you just keep going and keep surviving like if you believe in destiny like i was headed here because a force brought me here that's magical and if you believe in randomness like there was no meaning there was no uh th- this was truly a pinball ping from t- wall to wall that's as just as magical to me that's it's just pretty, as mind-blowing all
0: pretty magical the existence is magical i've always said that if If life itself as you live it right now was a psychedelic drug, you would take it and be like, what the fuck is this?
2: Well, even to exist at all scientifically is so infinitesimally like unlikely, unlikely. Were the perfect amount of distance from the sun to have an ozone layer and an atmosphere, and then you're a human that you got to incarnate in in the human version, where you're not just like a sustenance, like you know the pig that you shot. Mm-hmm. You could have been the pig that you shot, the yep. the, the, te- the, the 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 funky pig, like that is such a rare it feels so common if you don't pay attention to the beauty in your life. it can feel so common and banal and life is boring and meaningless. And if you turn around, if I turn around and like look at the kind of m- magic of this existence and this incarnation like I and that's why I love life so much. like that's to, to me like the the, the the book is about my my desire to like I want when I die, I want to squeeze the last drop of the towel that was life. I want mm. the last little drip of water that was in there. I want to drink it all. I want to live, like my religion is fun. It's not Judaism, it's fun. It's experiences, it's like love and the com- connection, talking to you, going on stage, writing a book, having a family, like I feel super overpaid and mm. lucky. And, and cause a lot of my friends that I grew up with are dead. And like, I just, and I c- could have been me too.
0: Sure. Could have been all of us. There's a lot of decisions you could have made that have not gotten you to this point right now.
2: Yeah, me and Pete Holmes, we were talking about it, he was calling it uh, spiritual plinko. Like, it just could have plinked in a different Mm -hmm. direction, and you'd be a different guy. You go on a car ride one day, you're in an accident. You Mm -hmm. go on a car ride the other day, you you win the Nobel Prize. Yeah, you,
0: you tie your shoes before you leave the house, and you avoid an accident
2: or you tie your shoes and you get into an accident. Yeah. So yeah. I think, yeah, that is what you're talking about living in the moment because there's so many possibilities that if you believe it one way are happening or could yeah. happen to you, then fear is, I mean, I live in fear sometimes and it's like, this is so pointless because yeah. it's the thing with my daughter, the thing you're protecting her against, you're not protecting her against the actual thing that will harm her and vice versa.
0: Well, that's the thing about anxiety, right? It's preparing for something that hasn't happened. Right. That's the what, what freaks people out. I think a lot of time it affects very smart people, too, because they take into account all the possible scenarios that could take place. Right. All the variables. I always t- would tell people when I was teaching, when I was teaching martial arts, when I'd have people compete, I'd take them to tournaments. I'd be like, the reason why you're so nervous is because you're smart. Uh-huh. The last thing you want to be is not nervous right now because nerves are going to save you. It's yeah. a terrible feeling, but you're going to get over it. But that, those nerves exist because you're aware of the, var- the variables. You're aware of the possibilities. You're aware of the danger of it all. A delusional, stupid person who's just confident, they can win. Right, they, It's possible. They can still win. And they can have no nerves at all. And they can go in there and they can kick everybody's ass. But you're better, better off being aware of what this is. Your better. You, your your senses will be heightened as long as you're not overwhelmed by fear. You're saying fear is beneficial in that 100%. way. A hundred percent. Yeah. Customato who trained Mike Tyson, used to say, "Fear is like a fire. You can cook with it, or you could burn your house down."
2: Oh, that's great.
0: You have to be able to control it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, the the, the thing that happens is when people become worshipful of their fear, mm-hmm. and it takes away their ability to go out and experience life. They're so afraid of the disastrous uh, possibilities of life that they forget to live a life. Yes. And I. I will say I'm not free of fear at all. I feel it all the time. You're a human
0: being. It's impossible to not be. Also, you live in L.A. (laughs) And you got a bitch for a dog. It's it's possible
2: it's a bitch. It's also possible it's betraying me because it's a German shepherd. And it's like I wasn't trained to protect Jews.
0: Oh, good point. Okay, I got you. Yes. (laughs) It's like, no, he's a sweetheart. George Foreman had a German shepherd. And when he he had a German shepherd and he brought it to uh, Africa when he's fighting Muhammad Ali, they were very distrustful of him because of the dog because he had a dog that would they used to sick on black people wow so when he was bringing this dog this guy was bringing a dog that they recognized as the enemy there's a lot of people that were very distrustful of
2: him oh that's really interesting yeah i should have He should have brought my dog so that helped ali If he brought my dog, it would have created unity in South Africa. (laughs) They still wouldn't have trusted it. It's
0: the breed. Yeah,
2: yeah. That thing's sweet.
0: I love him. They didn't have those breeds back then, though. They only had one kind of German Shepherd. You ever see what German Shepherds look like over the years? Yeah. Because they're trying to make them for show dogs, their hips have dropped. Right. And they look different. If you go to like a German Shepherd from like 1930 and then look at a German Shepherd from 2023, it, it's a different animal. And are
2: sloping. You know that um, bulldogs can't f- – true bulldogs like MCA or whatever? Jamie's dog can't fuck.
0: They, they can't, and they they only give birth. They only give cesarean birth. The, yeah, I think Jamie's dog can't breed normally. You got to use the turkey baster. But right? neither can Marshall. I haven't. I haven't tried. Marshall can if I let him.
2: Yeah, the problem is you won't let him. Well, he was always gonna want. He texted me on the way here. He said, to, to "Talk to Joe. See so if I can get some." I would ass. definitely
0: find a good lady that, uh, and it would have to have uh, homes for all the puppies. But you know, it's the thing about dogs. Like you're you're not saying I want my dog to have sex. You're saying I want my dog to procreate.
2: Right. Right. Right.
0: That's a different thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, that that, they can't Right, they don't do it for I think about that a lot too Mm -hmm. That human beings by the way, I think human this is a great and lucky incarnation to be a human really good But it's also humans are we have warped evolution to such a degree like we shouldn't be hung up about stuff we can't have, se- sex is so simple for every other animal. Right. It's just like, I get in there, boom, I got a baby. Well, we're and we're over here
0: going like, I'm ashamed. Covered in clothes, which is just right. a bizarre invention. <laughs> right. What but, a bizarre thing we've done to our bodies where we can no longer exist in the atmosphere. Even if it's warm, people wear clothes. Like It's become a, a thing where you're shielding your genitals from the other people because they represent your sex. Well, Also, though...
2: I have heard that when people, when, when uncontacted tribes, really um, like um, mm-hmm. old school, you know, sustenance living sort of Iron Age level tribes come out of isolation and decide to join the world, a big part, what they want is clothes. Mm. I think it might be really cold out there just in life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with,
0: with no clothes. Well, it definitely is sometimes. It's yeah. not perfect all the time. But I think that's why we used to be hairy.
2: Right. I still have some of that it doesn't seem to help.
0: I mean, there's some fucking dudes in Russia. There's some Russian wrestlers that look like they look like a human lived 200,000 years uh-huh. ago looked like. <laughs> They're fucking covered in hair. Like everything, all the way their neck all the way through their back, their chest, their arms, full thick hair. Yeah. It's like that's probably what we were like. You ever seen a real heavy hairy Russian wrestler? Sure. I mean Look I- at this dude.
2: Oh, yeah, that's my guy right there. I mean, this is
0: a man that exists right now. But
2: he doesn't look like he would stay warm in the winter. No,
0: no, no, because it used to be a lot thicker. Yeah. But I think that was slowly over time when we chose to wear clothes, we invented clothes and chose to wear clothes. I think slowly over time, people lost all their body hair. But I think at one point in time, when you see these really, go to that other picture of him where you see his back and everything. That one. That one. Perfect. Perfect. That one. That's a fucking different kind of hair than the average person has. That you, dude has long hair on his shoulders.
2: Do you think you, you you think that like if you have more hair, you're you're older school? Probably like your genetics are yeah, older probably, school.
0: probably why they're so good at wrestling too. They're probably well, there's that strong whole, as shit.
2: A, that whole thing that we have all we all have some a little bit of Neanderthal DNA.
0: Yeah, I have a shit ton.
2: Do you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um yeah, look at how fucking hairy these dudes are. I think this is just the 2023 version. I bet if you could go back 200,000 years ago, people were just covered in right. hair. I I'm mean, pro- and that's what they think about, like, ancient hominids. It's not like one day they weren't hairy.
2: Do so you think I might be, like, quite a man?
0: A little manly there. Thank you. How's it's, the back?
2: Back is clean, dude. I don't know how. I don't know why. It's a blessing. Yeah. I'm telling you, this life is magical. I got hairy back. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. You don't... You, are you a shaver?
0: I, I get my wife to shave my back.
2: Really? Yeah. Can you imagine what would happen if I asked Natasha to shave my back? It would be a problem. It would be a no. I can <laughs> tell you that.
0: <laughs> she would do it with those gloves. The ones that go all the way up to the elbow. And yeah, she'd yeah, be yeah. complaining the entire time. Yeah, but darling. It, it, would uh. <laughs> it would be hilarious. It would be hilarious. She'd probably film that.
2: She would Never. I cannot even. I love yeah. this image though. Elbow length gloves. She's got a custom made razor <laughs> with, with golden pearls on it. Face
0: shield. <laughs> Shaving Oh your yeah, back. one of the COVID shields. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I get hairy. As do I. Yeah, I get itchy though too. When I get too much hair, it pools up in between my tits, and I get itchy. Do you shave your arms? No, not no. M- most of the time. Not, but I have. I mm. have a few times. It makes my tattoos look better.
2: That, I mean, they, you don't look very tattoos. hairy from here.
0: Yeah, they're hair. You can see it. You get close. This is because there's all the tattoos. There's I hair.
2: My hair stop. I swear to God, my hair stops here. Mm, it's like I have a reverse farmer's tan.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe your people, for the longest time, wore short sleeves. That could be true. My- that's probably what it was. <laughs> you really think that? Yeah, yeah. I think that's why people have hairy uh, forearms for the most part, but they don't usually have hairy shoulders. Uh-huh. I think that's where it comes from.
2: Evolutionarily. I think
0: the whole thing comes from clothes. I Uh think our our whole adaptation to, uh, I mean, if you look at it, like, I would imagine urban people, like, if collectively, people who've lived in urban environments for longer periods of time probably have less body hair than, you know, if you follow their genetics, than people who live in, like, very cold rural climates, like fucking Canadian men that live in, like, Alberta. Right. They're probably
2: hairier dudes. It's weird that with what you're talking about you're kind of talking in a, in a strange way it reminds me of like original sin too it's like straight up biblical right like right the, we've the, lost the, our abilities the prime the first big event that occurs is something goes wrong and people and the human becomes aware of its nakedness it's mm, not what it, it, it's right. what you're talking about not what i'm it's not about right, cold right, right. it's about like shame yeah like what I do believe in answer to a question you asked me two hours ago, like are all of these rules somehow connected to a functional, n- nearly scientific corollary, right? Like trichinosis or whatever. Yeah. I do believe that in s- on some level, every bit of biblical information, every bit of religious information, it has some sort of allegorical and metaphorical connection to our past, like what does it mean that Adam and Eve saw their nakedness and realized they were naked and decided to cover up? It speaks to like a historical truth Definitely, I don't think Adam and Eve saw their nakedness and were ashamed, but something occurred where we realized we are naked in the world and we must cover We must cover because people can't look at what we're doing. Well,
0: it just makes sense that once they started wearing clothes, seeing people without clothes would be just this shocking thing. I can tell you
2: an exact uh, corollary for that in my personal life. Mm. When I go to Burning Man, this, last year was my 24th time at Burning Man. Oh my I've Jesus. been going since 96. And you're
0: stone cold sober. Stone sober the whole time. How dare you?
2: <laughs> I'm the guy. I'm the designated driver. Um, when I get there, uh, I, a lot of nudity, less so every year as things get a little bit more sanitary there, but over the years, lots of nudity is one of the primary characteristics, women running around naked, everybody naked. Um, I will be like zero titillation. Like, nothing about it is like, ha no ooh, mama, look at that hot, naked lady. Because it becomes normal. Then I get back to the States, a low-cut dress. I'm like, whoa, look at that over there. Oh, the little cleavage. Like my, your mind can adjust based on your circumstances. Like, it's erotic. It's like there's zero erotic charge after a week at Burning Man to see a naked woman running by, fully naked. Well,
0: isn't that why lingerie exists? Because the whole thrill is like taking it off do The thrill t- is that it's very sheer and there's very little of it. Like, ooh, look at that.
2: I feel that lingerie is a con and that I've never met a man that likes it. Interesting. Do you love it? We'll get to that in a moment. Okay. <laughs> we we'll Humans be right back.
0: appear relatively hairless compared to our other ape relatives, but the density of the hair follicles in our skin is actually the same as would be expected of an ape our size. Whoa. The follicle. The fine hairs that cover our bodies which have replaced the thicker ones seen on our close relatives, are thought to be an evolutionary leftover from our hairy ancestors. Yeah, there it is. Makes sense. Oh, new sci- oh, wow. Now scientists find these fine hairs are useful after all, with people with more of them are better at detecting bed bugs. More fine hairs means you're better at detecting bed bugs? Yeah, you probably feel them more. Um, female ancestors preferred a bug-free mate. And so opted for hairier guys. Whoa. Oh, that's really interesting. How weird. I've had crabs. You ever have that? No, I have not. I've dodged that bullet. The researchers found that body hair significantly enhanced how well people detected the bed bugs, which participants noticing the bugs on the hairy arm quicker than they did when tested on the hairless arm. Interesting. The hair's serving as motion detectors. Whoa. The hair also prolonged how long it took the parasites to find places to feed, presumably because they hindered movement. Interesting. So, wait, it's better to have hair or worse? Yeah, follicles. Better to have follicles. Better to have some hairs.
2: When I got crabs, Mm. I was living with my mother. Oh, shit. And How old were you? I was probably 18, 17, something like that. And they tell you at the clinic, they say anybody that lives with you you got to give them this insecticide too oh so, no so, I had so to you had
0: go. a sign to your mom that you got crabs <laughs> holy shit <laughs> and she that had to
2: slather like... herself in insecticide and sleep overnight how mad, with it how mad was she at you i'm lucky in that my mom is probably the most sexually open-minded woman in the universe and she was not mad at all she was she thought i think she thought it was funny
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah,
2: my mom was- a great mom. Very chill about things like that. There was a time once-
0: Probably happy you were getting some.
2: No, really. She used to sit my brother and I down on Tuesday nights and read to us from a book called Boys and Sex. Whoa. And she was just like open. When she found porn, when I uh, hit puberty and she found porn, she um, took the porn and rather than yell at me, she brought me to like a a lesbian, like a a vibrator, a feminist vibrator shop. Hmm. And she said, you can pick any of the lesbian text-based erotica that you want. She wanted to make sure if I was looking at porn, it would have like ninety pages of prose poetry before we got <laughs> to the good stuff. But that's the kind of woman my mother was. She didn't is she didn't care at all. Very open minded.
0: Well, that's lucky, especially in the crab situation. Well, definitely in that situation. The the whole idea of VD killing people is so strange, but like that's a lot of the ways people died back in the day it was syphilis, right? Syphilis yeah. untreated. Well, you couldn't treat it, right? It was this was pre nothing they can do before right antibiotics and. Penicillin and all that shit. Yeah. What I'm, the fuck did they do? I mean, that's literally your your skin rotted out.
2: I've never had any of
0: those. I've well, only had course. the I've only had the bugs. I don't think people get it anymore. If they do get it, they can cure it. Is now. that true? No, people must Syphilis? still get. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you can get it, but I think they can cure it. Now. It won't kill you. No, I think they just give you penicillin. I believe.
2: Do you know that rabies? Not to change the Kills subject. everybody.
0: It will kill 100% of people that display symptoms. Like you can, it's crazy. Yeah, if you get bit by something with rabies, you have to take painful shots. I think they go into your stomach. I think it's a large needle that goes into your stomach. And I think you have to do it multiple times. And I think if you don't do it within a certain period of time, you're done. There was a crazy story about the the first woman person who ever survived
2: uh, symptomatic rabies that I heard on, I think, Radiolab, um, that basically she started displaying all these symptoms. And like fear of water, rage, Whoa. all that kind of stuff. And that's fatal 100% of the time. Yeah. But this, anyway, they the, her parents took her to the doctor and they go, um, this really made me laugh. It's tragic, but it made me laugh. The, the doctor's like, has anything unusual happened? Anything that you think could have maybe um, brought this about? And they're like, no, nothing we can think of. Nothing? Not bitten by a dog or a bat? They go, oh no, yeah, she was bit by a bat. Is that what Ow. you're talking about? Oh, yeah, she was bit by a bat. Ugh. She was at church and a bat flew under her nose and bit her. I was like, yeah, I think that might have been the inflection Jesus. point. But anyway, they put her into a coma. Um, into Because something weird about rabies, apparently, like your body, it's kind of what we're talking about with human evolution. Your body can beat it. But it, it, I, I'm not going to articulate this well. Your body can moves to beat it, but it moves at just below the speed of the virus. Ooh. Uh, the virus moves faster than your body's um, ability to beat it. If you weren't, if the virus was slower, then your body would cure it. But it, it like it, it goes faster. Mm. And so they put this girl into an imposed coma. And slowed down somehow in ways I don't understand, slowed down her her system in such a way that the that the the rabies went a little bit more dormant. And then her body was able to supersede the speed of the virus. Can and
0: they still do that. Do they, well, they, now, do, now. they do
2: it regularly now, but it doesn't work uh it's not like a universal cure, I guess.
0: The Milwaukee Protocol recommends inducing therapeutic coma by ketamine and back to the rabies. <laughs> there it is, midazolam <laughs> during rabies participants the first week of ICU admittance. So yeah, it's like it's a system now, and it doesn't work
2: like well, but it works a lot better Since than the
0: ability of the natural host immune response to clear the rabies virus. If the patient is purpo- supported through the intense. Uh, Exotoxic exotoxic phase is the basic premise of this strategy so that makes sense too because you'd be able to hydrate them because one of the things that happens to people they, they no longer can drink any water fear of
2: water Isn't that? They,
0: they just start throwing it up as soon as it gets in their mouth They
2: said in that in that um, that podcast that that rabies presents this in the way that uh, an ancient and by ancient like million year old disease present. It doesn't feel similar to the more modern diseases and pathology uh, uh, pathogens that we have in our systems now, but the way it presents is like, it's like an ancient killer. Ooh. It's like a ghost of our past.
0: It's crazy how common it is in the animal kingdom too. Right. And it's really wild that it gets animals to bite you, to give it to you too. That's, That's why it, it feels it feels evil, right? It, it doesn't does just feel, feel very like, evil, like a like sickness. Like a vampire.
2: Yeah. Oh, right. Minnesota That's man it.
0: yeah. First reported fatality due to rabies in the United States despite receiving appropriate post exposure prophylaxis. According to a recent article published in clinical infectious D- oh, he was eighty four. Eighty four year old man had died in twenty twenty one, about six months after waking up in the morning while a rabid bat was biting on his right hand. Now,
2: wow. this is what we should be afraid of. Bats. This is the scary think thing. Think
0: about it, but it is rabies, right? Because uh, it is vampires. Because vampire bats. I think bats. you're right. That's and they're right. scared of water. It that, all seems like yeah. animals.
1: People used to use garlic to keep bats away. Is that oh. true? Uh, it, 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 it's not 100% effective, but that's you know, medieval times. That's really probably interesting. The vampire confused. thing is that's probably it. rabies. How do we solve this? Uh, bam. We did it. We
2: did it, dude. But dude, <laughs> rabies, by the way, uh, is like... The fact that it killed that article said what it it killed the guy who took the appropriate
0: yeah, but he was old. If that happened,
2: yeah, we're fucked. You ever you know about yeah. the Tasmanian devil?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the, it's they're all dying of a contagious face cancer.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's like a VD, right? Isn't is that what it, like, it is? It's a cancer, though. Right, it's Imagine cancer.
2: cancer goes contagious. Right. That's the scariest thing I've ever heard in my life. The fact that it can exist in one animal mm-hmm. means it could exist in all of them. Very, very scary. What
0: is it from? Okay. Tasmanian devils are affected by two independent transmissible cancers known as the devil facial tumor and the devil facial tumor tumor facial tumor too. both cancers are spread by biting and cause the appearance of tumors in the face or inside the mouth of affected Tasmanian devils. So that's not a sexually transmitted disease. No,
2: speaking of a disease feeling mean, like what you're saying with rabies, the reason that they, Oh, why? The reason that they transmit it so much... They have the cancer in their, in their thing, and they've got a behavioral tick where the way that they, I think, fight is to, like, mash their faces together. So they, they have the confluence of the disease that, that can spread that way and the behavioral tick that allows it to spread. Mm. These viruses are just like us. They want out. They want to live. They mm. want to survive, you yeah. know, and they will somehow weirdly find a way— to yeah. to spread themselves. So
0: well, that's why variants are so strange. Like the the virus will find out that you have some immunity to some certain aspect of it and so they just slightly change so it right. sneaks past your immune system.
2: I had a weird very cosmic theory um uh, about the, the the pandemic and covid. I I know that you don't uh, cotton with conspiracy theories about covid, but I do. Um no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> the that I this is more uh sort of metaphysical though mm-hmm. w- when we were raised our fam, like i remember being told to wash my hands like all the time mm-hmm. right but i don't really feel like i told my kids that like it wasn't like it used to be like almost religious like oh, wash 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 and then by the time i had my kid i told her to wash her hands but it wasn't like you right. must and then all of a sudden a new pathogen came into the human uh, genome and it was like i mean Obviously, I don't think that washing hands is that big of a deal with COVID, but I had this thought, what if viruses go like dormant until we kind of, because the reason, this is my big weird theory, the reason that we were told wash, wash, wash is residual trauma from Spanish flu. This is my theory here, Mm. right? It's It's like your grandparents lived through that, and then they... Embedded it in your parents like wash your hands. It's super important And then it got to you and then it started to fade away a little bit And then all of a sudden you have a new pathogen. I was like what if these viruses have a little like a weird sort of Animal consciousness of like okay. They've forgotten about the washing hands thing. Let's let's pop up into the human Mm. population Anyway, I know it's a little kooky. Yeah,
0: that that, I don't think that's it The the (laughs) Spanish flu one's weird because you know the people didn't really die from the Spanish flu They died of other diseases Mm. that they got while they had the spanish flu like what did they die of they died of uh oh, meningitis and encephal- there was a bunch of different things that people died from all of which would be cured by antibiotics today
2: do you know how it got the name of spanish flu this is an interesting story
0: I do, but I forgot.
2: Basically, that it wasn't Spanish. It came in. It was it started in thing. America, yeah. but we were in the midst of World War One, and so every country was in this like media embargo to not say, "Oh God, there's a new disease in America," because it would have made our army look weak. <laughs> and, and right, and every other country wow. didn't want to admit it either. But Spain was either not involved in the war or didn't have that embargo. Somehow, they reported the disease, and so they so for the rest so of it time it's the Spanish, Spanish flu. flu. Yeah, wow. another weird thing I found out: the flu that you get today. Is, is the Spanish flu. It's the variant that, that sprung off from the Spanish flu, mm. like weakened and weakened and weakened an infinite amount of times. But the thing that we get that we call flu is just the, the cousin of the Spanish flu.
0: Wow. And the reason why it's weak is because it serves the virus better to not kill you. Exactly. Because it could spread to more people. What a weird fucking thing. It's wild. It's almost like they... A life -life.
2: I don't mean literally with my cockamamie theory that it was consciousness. Mm -hmm. Let's go back. I mean more like that. Like... Like, that it'll weaken in order to be effective. Which is the
0: fact that it can do that, that it adjusts and changes. That's what's really scary. Like, a lot of people are scared of this disease called CWD right now. CWD is called chronic wasting disease, and it's affected a lot of deer. And uh, there's deer all over the country that have this chronic wasting disease, and it hasn't jumped to humans. I think it has jumped to some mice. I think there's, in some parts of the country, they've tested mice, and they tested positive for this stuff. But it hasn't jumped. It's a prion disease. So What's it's that? like a mad cow. Oh, like, uh-huh, you know, um, Jakob Kurtzfeld's disease. And then if you get it, you're fucked. You're fucked. And the the end is horrific. You know the these deer are wandering around just drooling, emaciated. they look like skeletons. And they're just like, like zombies.
2: I don't like this chronic wasting disease. Well, it's one very bit.
0: scary. It's all these things are scary because occasionally they jump. Right. Because they, these things they can figure out a way to change. They they morph over time.
2: It's not if, it is when, with pathogens jumping into yeah. the it will one hundred it will happen.
0: Especially with large-scale agriculture right and the thing about large-scale especially industrial agriculture is it's very unsanitary it's fucking disgusting yeah and just like how the plague was started in all these different parts of the world because people were shitting in the streets and living in filth and no sanitation and that's probably exactly how it starts with them as well the virus is particularly deadly because it triggered a cytokine storm ravaging the strong... You're talking about the Spanish flu? Yeah, yeah. Spanish yeah, yeah, flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about that.
2: That's one of the weirdest facets the of viral, Spanish flu. It yeah. killed young, healthy people more than it killed old and infirm.
0: Yeah, it killed young soldiers. It's Apparently, it so v- was no more aggressive than p- previous influenza strains. Malnourishment, overcrowded medical camps and hospitals, poor hygiene exacerbated by the war, promoted bacterial super infection. Killing most of the victims after a typically prolonged deathbed. That is crazy. Yeah. Super infection is a scary word, man. It was Promoted. the war. Yep. So It's oh, like yeah. it's
2: like we became a part of the pathogen. Human society became Ugh. a part of the pathogen that
0: allowed it to kill. Ugh. Gnarly. Apparently the 2009 swine flu was really bad, too. Um, Bert got that. He says the closest he ever felt to dying. Scary. He said it was horrible. He said the worst flu he's ever gotten in his life. He was wrecked forever. What about a new non-influenza virus yeah, like the one that caused sars uh, this
1: question. What does it say?
0: However, as historical records dating back to the 1700s show, every 10 to 40 years, the world suffers a global plu- uh, flu pandemic, the result of a major antigenic drift. The virus mutates so much that the human body no longer recognizes it and is left defenseless. <laughs> The resulting epidemic spreads faster than scientists can isolate, producing and uh, distribute a vaccine. This is what happened in 1918. Dude, this is sort of my, this is kind of my cockamamie theory. Well, it is. I mean, if you think about all the different diseases that kill people, they are coexisting life forms. You know, that they right. viruses and bacteria, they're a type of life, some sort of... I don't know if they know if they really call viruses life forms. They don't. They, they, they categorize them in a different way, but it's essentially... It is like a life form. It's the same thing, it just wants to fuck. It's yeah, just like it just Marshall. Yeah, just to live in your body yeah. And, yeah. And, and reproduce in there and get to other people. But the, the wildest one is rabies, because it makes the animals bite so that they get it too, so that other people get it, other animals get it. It makes them more aggressive.
2: It's really, a, like I said, that it's like a prehistoric, a, 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 a megalodon, it's yes. coming from our, our past. A dinosaur it, disease. Yeah.
0: Ugh. Well, that was the, the premise of uh, 28 Days Later. Right. Remember that movie? Right. Yeah, that Good they movie created actually. one and yeah. gave it to chimps, and the chimps are just biting people. and People are biting. I showed you this that movie. Fucking it. rules, man!
1: This I do love that movie. The Great Manure Crisis of 1894. This also caused a lot of disease problems.
0: Yeah, the the streets because everyone had a horse were filled with shit. That's all. Hum- that's all horse shit. Look oh, at, not- d- click on that one up there that has a text below it. Ninety-nine uh, percent. Yeah, that one. Look at that. That's manure. That's shit all throughout the street, so you're smelling shit. Everyone's getting shit in their nostrils. You're getting uh, If you're smelling it, that means that some of that is getting in your body. You're inhaling shit. There were vacant lots this, where it
1: was piled over 60 feet high. Oh!
2: But on a positive note, that prankster on TikTok, this was a glory year for him. He was <laughs> able to find buckets of shit right at his very feet.
1: They didn't have YouTube back then.
0: He really couldn't make a living. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's making a living. I think he's he's arrested. I think that's good. Look at that, 1894. But the great
2: it. horse manure crisis until of 1894. Until they
0: figured out cars. That's how people got around. You had to ride a fucking animal. Well, which shit, is pretty I... wild. That's pretty recent. What's, uh, what's that? That until like 200 years ago, you had to ride a fucking animal.
2: Uh, it's wild. There, and uh, in that Poor Things, there was a, I think it was historical, sort of semi-historical. There was a, a combustion engine cab, but it was, uh, it was a stagecoach with a fake horse head on it. <laughs> In the very beginning of stagecoaches, people were so used to having a horse in front. It would just be like a little head. That makes sense. Godfather style.
0: Yeah. It's it's crazy how much the world has changed in 200 years. It feels unsustainable. Oh, have you heard this? You know, you know
2: about the um, Fermi's paradox, right? This comes brings Fermi, yeah, yeah, the
0: the space paradox.
2: Yeah, Yeah. okay. So you know that the I'm sure you did the latest like theory on why they because that's the question that it raises. Mm -hmm. If there's infinite amount of planets, where are the people? Where are the aliens? Uh, And the new theory, this really sent a chill down my spine, is that every planet goes through the same um, basic process, which is that they become in 200 years, they go from pre uh, uh, industrial revolution to industrial revolution to strip mining themselves for for resources and then their population explodes because they can sustain more population and they need to extract more resources and then they go to get to their like space age and by the time human, any planet gets to like space exploration it has exploded in population and resource um stripping to such a degree that they reach a decision that they have to make every society is either we continue to strip mine and populate uh, and go extinct because we're going to run out of room and resources or we shut down and do an imposed, like, Dark Ages. Population uh, control. Just, like, shut everything down, stop. The, so we'll, we will never evolve to the point where we can get to an Earth because we all go through the same historical arc. Or and
0: maybe that, it's a longer arc than we think. That could and be true. And maybe we're course, in right? the middle of it and maybe that's what asteroids are for. Maybe asteroids come along when we get a little cocky and they slam into the earth and we start from scratch again. And then we have the same genetics as the intelligent people that figured out how to build the pyramids. But we're this new, confused, barbaric version of it that's been fucking eating rats for a thousand years. Oh, I like that. So there's not just an infinite amount of Joes and Moshas.
2: There's an infinite amount of human populations like just regenerating and regenerating for an infinite amount of time till we get to the good one.
0: Well, I'm a big fan of what they call the Younger Dryas Impact Theory. And the Younger gyrus Impact Theory is based on a bunch of things. But one of the things it's based on is core samples. When they've done these core samples, they show that around 11,800 years ago, without a doubt, the Earth was hit by comets. And they think this is what happened that stopped the ice age. This is why the polar ice caps. that There used to be ice covering North America. Half of North America would be a mile-plus sheet of ice. That yeah. was, and then it all stopped very quickly. And it also caused the death, the extinction of 65% of the um, mammals that lived. Right. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. And they think the people that are proponents of this theory, like Graham Hancock and Rendell Carlson, they think that human beings had achieved a very high level of sophistication in probably a different direction than we have now and that's yeah. the pyramids that's gobekli tepe that's all these ancient structures that they they don't understand how people could have explained or built you know a long 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 fucking time ago that we can't do now right and that that's what happened the impacts happen and then society rebuilds thousands of years later right. so thousands of years of barbarism and then 6000 years ago in mesopotamia language written language emerges agriculture they start they start figuring things out again.
2: It's like Atlantis. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Natasha was into this documentary. Yes. That was, yeah, I remember Ancient this Ancient
0: Apocalypse. That's it's right. on Netflix. That's right. It's amazing. And it's very likely that that's, there's physical evidence now. It used to be this wacky theory and people would say, well, there's no evidence of that theory. And then they started discovering things that they, like Gobekli Tepe is the best example, that are absolutely, absolutely over 11,000 years old. And so they go, okay, 11,000 years ago, people were building these complex stone structures. Like, how the fuck did they do that when we thought people were hunter gatherers back right, then? Right. And then when they find these core samples, there's a high level of iridium in that time period. And that's very common in space and very rare on Earth. And it's like a sheet of it. As long as also with a sheet in a lot of these areas, it's just pure carbon mm-hmm. where it seems like everything burned. And so it's very likely that we were pelted. And it's very likely it's going to happen again. It, every June and every November, we pass through this comet storm. You always do this to me. You're the one
2: that told me about the super volcano. Yes, and I have you know, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. You since. should think about it. Why?
0: What good does it do me? It doesn't do you any good, but it's good to know that every six to eight hundred thousand no. years, <laughs> don't <read>. Yellowstone goes. <laughs> don't and when read Yellowstone up this information. Goes, we it's, go. It's a wrap. Oh, it's man. a continent
2: killer. Oh, I don't want that. Every- I don't want. Wasting disease. Mm. I don't want continent yeah. killer and yeah, you don't want other things. I don't want
0: But maybe those are the things that keep us from getting to the place where we nuke each other into oblivion Maybe yeah. those are the reset buttons of the universe where if we go down the bad path And maybe there's this race to try to be To have good morals and ethics and have society evolve at the same level that the human mind and technology evolves and to overcome this constant need for war and controlling resources, which have dominated human culture from the beginning of time. And that maybe it's this battle, maybe this culture war that we're all fighting, that people are complaining about now, maybe part of that is this sort of struggle to... Achieve a higher level of existence and maybe it's done in the wrong way on both sides to a certain extent But ultimately what it is is trying to sort out what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's bad And why certain things take place and if we don't if we don't get to that and we keep keep engaging in wars then we never reach a technological level of sophistication that allows us to stop natural disasters right right so if we can get to a point where we can knock asteroids out of the sky and do something to release the pressure of the super volcano and figure out a way to not have people starve and figure and all those things could be accomplished if we get to a certain point, and I think we're in a race. I think AI plays a gigantic part of that race. I think the race just got really fucking weird. That's what I think.
2: Yeah. The, well, Neuralink. I mean, you know, the uh, the the doomsday scenario of AI. And by the way, you're an optimist. That's interesting. I didn't know that. It seems like you're kind of an optimist. I'm
0: optimistic. I think I think human beings generally. Society, if it exists long enough, there's always going to be terrible moments. But ultimately, people want the same thing. They want their community to be good. They want their friends to live. They want their families to live. You're terrified of other people that might want to take from you the thing that gives you joy and happiness and community and love. But ultimately, I think we're going to figure out a way if human beings can exist long enough where we can work things out much better than we're doing right now. I think one of the things that hinders our ability to work things out is just like you were talking about sign language, like that your sign from America is different than the sign from the United Kingdom. I think if we develop a universal language through translation through technology, we will eliminate a lot of miscommunication and a lot of this failure to understand each other, because we look at each other as the other. We look at each other as something that's very different than us. Right. And they're already doing that on Samsung phones. Samsung phones, the new Galaxy S24 Ultra comes out with AI. And one of the features of AI is a translate. So we can sit apart from each other. And in real time, this thing could take your, if you're speaking in, French, in my e- e- you can do it in your ears, in yeah. your headphones, or you could do it on the phone in written language. Yeah, It does both. And if it's in headphones, we both have it, and I could talk to you in English, and you could understand it if you speak French, because it'll translate into perfect French, and then- close enough as it is, right. it'll get better. And then you can speak French and I will hear it in English.
2: We need that for like a liberal and conservative. Yes. You just put headphones in and it's like, oh, that's what you meant. Yes. Okay, you're okay.
0: It's not even that. I mean, that's the tribal part. The, right, tri- right, the, completely. the tribal part is that people just adopt ideologies wholeheartedly. And if you don't, you're not on the team. Just like the people that were in your neighborhood looked at you weird, like you were a goyim because you're right. not it's, all the way in.
1: Right. It's tri- yeah. Tribalism
2: is tribalism is the downfall of society and in but i also i love tribes i do love if they're
0: th- cool tribes yeah it's we just need charitable conscientious Tribes that are kind to other people, right, and just enjoy the differences instead of thinking the differences as being like some sort of a negative.
2: And that's what you're saying is that we're hopefully we're evolving towards a situation yeah. where, with a universal language or at least a universal understanding, you can see someone that's different and think that they're not. Uh, what do they say? The difference between isn't that awful? To isn't that interesting?
0: Yes. It's, and and then because we're in a growth phase you're gonna go through over-corrections. I think a lot of the cultural war that we're involved in right now, all the craziness that's happening in society, it's an over-correction. And then people are gonna get fed up with it and they're gonna move into a more conservative direction. And They'll get fed up with that and then they'll move to a more liberal direction. And it's like, it goes back and forth because we're trying to figure out what's the right way to do it and we're basing life on what we were taught by people who didn't know what the fuck they were doing, which right. is most of our parents and most of their right. parents like they didn't know what the fuck they were doing they that my grandparents didn't know what the fuck was going on in the world. They raised kids who didn't know what what the fuck was happening. They raised me. I know, I barely know what the fuck is going on. My kids know more than me that their generation will figure it out a little bit better and if we can stay alive, we can eventually get to some commonality and we can realize that a lot of this stupidity is based on our our human system of these tribal interactions that's kind of ingrained in our genetics.
2: Or we need a mega enemy. Maybe that's AI. We all come together as a tribe. Or UFOs. Or UFOs. That's our mega enemy. Will you please get here
0: guys because we need to
2: solve some of these problems they're here here already oh yeah i
0: think they've always been here why don't
2: they just be I like think hey they're what's
0: interdimensional. up dimensional and i think I've, I've been reading this i've been reading uh, diane posolka's yeah. new book the other book the first one yeah, yeah, that's the one i got through yeah so i this lady who's a religious scholar i'm reading uh american cosmic now we gotta get you out of here oh sorry
2: yeah i have, yeah. A, I have a book event tonight It's my, no, t- tonight's the night
0: and with duncan
2: with Duncan tonight, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm super excited, but I could fucking talk to you all, all night. This yeah, is...
0: we'll, we'll wrap this up, but I'll recommend this book to people. It's called American Cosmic, and it's essentially about this whole flying saucer. You, I just did a whole podcast with the woman, but now, now this is a previous book that I'm reading, and it connects it to religion. And it connects it to the stories in the Bible of Ezekiel, that Ezekiel is essentially seeing a UFO and that these things are not just a physical thing, that there's some sort of a psychological aspect to them. There's some sort of a frequency that we connect to occasionally as human beings, as thinking creatures.
2: You're saying we get to a state of kind of uh, enlightenment where the uh, dimensional portal opens up for a split second and that's what we see.
0: I don't know if you would call it enlightenment. A, a, or frenzy a, a state, spiritual frenzy a state of, of able being able to receive whatever the frequency these things operate on and it's i i think it's based on a, of i think there's a lot of stories from ancient religion that's probably based on this and i think as as we get more and more of an understanding of quantum physics and this concept of dimensions and this concept of the ability of something that's far more advanced than us to manipulate dimensions and to visit back and forth. And that the potential is that maybe that is where all intelligent life forms eventually evolve to if given enough time and they do it correctly. They become interdimensional travelers. And that what we're looking at when well, we're looking at these, these grays, these weird looking things, yeah. that's us in the future
2: coming back to visit.
0: Yeah, it, it, interdimensionally, that this is, this is our path, that we will become these genderless things, the giant heads that use telepathy. Well, just like this Elon Musk invention, this Neuralink that's going to allow you to scroll so paralyzed people can use the internet. and right. It's going to be able to operate machinery. The, one of the things that Bob Lazar said about that craft right there, the sport model that he uh, allegedly worked on in Area 51, Site 4, was that they didn't have controls in them. They, they operated them with their minds.
2: And it's so funny because when he first said that, it probably sounded, I mean, it still sounds a little bit like bullshit, but it, it sounds probably sounds crazy. It sounds great. But when you, then you look at Neuralink, you go, wait a minute. Yeah. I guess I could see uh, operating a craft with my mind in uh, a thousand years from now. There's that idea that AI, you know, when, it, when robotics catches up to AI and, and AI can implant itself in a, in a robot warrior, then they, then they are like an entity. Yeah. And then they look and they go, what is the only threat to us? Oh, it's humans. Let, let, us, let us get rid of the Terminator. Yeah. So th- that makes it so that our only hope is Neuralink. Is yeah. hopefully we can fuse and, and go yeah. and, and the and the AI will not say what's our threat. They go, oh no, that's us. That, yeah, we will emerge. That's but, our meet us.
0: I think that's what's gonna happen no matter what. Because I think once it happens, the people that have it will have such a massive advantage over everyone else that it has to use a device. It's like steroids. Yeah. Well it's not just like that. It's like having a car, living in a house, right. having a television, right, right. having the internet. If you, if you live in the woods by yourself with no language, you're fucked, right? right. It's like
2: the tribe coming out of the jungle and saying, yes, I want some clothes. Exactly. But, but on a mega, mega on level. On a mega,
0: mega level. I think that's where we're going. I think that's what the UFOs are.
2: Well, oh, I mean, do you think that in this universe, my book is a bestseller? I think it's going to be fucking oh, huge. Thank goodness. That, now, this uh, is what's important. There it is right there. Subculture
0: <laughs> Vulture, a memoir in six scenes by Moshe Kasher, available now. Did you do the audiobook? I did do the audiobooks. Yes. Yeah. yeah Thank I did. God, you let an actor do it. No, suck. never.
2: Although, what's really funny is there's did a part. They try to
0: pressure you to do, an... no, an no, actor no. do it. No, no, no. They wanted me to do oh, it. I think good.
2: they like when comics do it, but there's Thank a funny God. part in there where my, my friend uh, Larry, early in my life, um, throws me up against a wall at an AA meeting and tells me to stop saying the N word. And he's black kid, a black friend of mine. And it was like when I was like, thought that I had a pass or whatever. Right. And, um, and it's a it's a moment about like, you know, popping your head out of your ass, basically. Like he basically threw me up against the wall and like shifted my perspective into like, of course, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. But I had this passage in the book where I was like, I mean, it's a very short passage, but I'm like, I'm not reading that shit. And so uh, I, con- I went forensically into my past and contacted Larry and said, Larry, it would be awesome if you would read the part of Larry. And I uh, found him and he did it. That's amazing. So it's me and Larry.
0: That's great that's awesome it's out now uh, um, I'm gonna see you tonight so oh awesome I'll see yeah. you at the club see you at the club good luck at your book event say hi to Duncan for thank me thank you very much Thanks my for pleasure me back brother on. it was awesome it was really fun I Same really here. enjoyed it we gotta do it more often I though. would love to alright let's do it alright bye